if you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. In the evening breeze, listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you, please, don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Just turn me loose, let me straddle my own saddle underneath the western skies. On my guides, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the So now people have downloaded the new app, but now aren't really streaming. For a moment. For a moment. Yes. Until we get the gremlins out of the system. You see, the gremlins in there. By the way, uh, I know we do a lot of research on colloquialisms, but has there ever really ever been a gremlin in a system? And what the hell is a gremlin? Because, I mean, I know that like back in the day, there was a car called the gremlin. And that was an attractive car right there. If you had a gremlin, that was a good-looking car right there. Uh, but I, I never really know of what a real gremlin is. It's kind of like I don't really know what a billikin is. It's like they say the St. Louis University billikins, and they, I see something. But I'm like, I've never seen that before. Like, how, 
What is that thing? That umbilicant. It was just kind of an invention out of somebody's mind. It's kind of like, you know, just one of those things. So, by the way, we do have the apps available right now. We are having some streaming issues for those of you who might be streaming on the app. But we are on Facebook as well. But it was cool to see the brand new app at the App Store, both for Android as well as for Apple. And so right now we're trying to get our stream in order. Uh, That's a technical term, in order. And so we're going to get that whole thing taken care of. And then also tonight, don't forget, we have our wonderful, beautiful, yes, amazing happy hour here at Gaslight Bar. And we're going to have the studio up and we're going to have everything up and running for you. And that's going to be amazing, too. And it starts at 4. We're going to go to 7. Uh, You can go longer if you want to, no matter what. But we're going to go from 4 to 7. And it's going to be fantastic and a ton of fun. And a bunch of people out here, drink specials for the Radio Free Almond crew, as well as some great food specials as well. So it's going to be uh, fun, and we'll hang out. And you can see the studio, you can see our, our setup here, and see how it all works. It's going to be uh, fabulous, and you're going to love it, and we're going to be uh, really happy to see all of you. Later on this morning, I think probably about 6.30 or so, Nick Schroer is going to join us. He's a state representative, and he is down in Jefferson City right now. And he's one of these guys who basically are trying to stop this witch hunt, this train that is going. And are we are we on now? We are. Oh, good. Okay, so we're running now. Streaming. So all those classic can, Windows problem. You can try it again. Yeah, <laughs> you could try it again. And uh, the st- stream is working. And check out the app and everything else. So Nick Schwar is one of those brave souls down there, basically saying, you know, why? What? What are we doing? First of all, why? Why are they? attempting to impeach Eric Greitens. In fact, they started the impeachment process in in earnest after charges were dropped against him. And we're trying to think, what are you what are you hillbillies doing down there in in Jefferson City? Usually it's a bunch of these these outstate bumpkins down there who want their tax credits and 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 are intimidated by Eric Greitens. And I'm telling you what, if the Republican Party If the Republican-led state legislature in Missouri impeaches our Republican governor, you might as well kiss your party goodbye because we'll make sure of it ultimately down the line that the Republican Party and Republicans pay for what they're doing down there in Jefferson City to Eric Greitens. But can you imagine a Republican-led legislature just because there are a bunch of swamp monsters who don't want Eric Greitens to go after them are actually trying to impeach the guy. And believe me, this will be a huge embarrassment to the Republican Party. And, and, and many of these guys who are attempting the impeachment process are term limited, which, you know, really, honestly, I never liked term limits to begin with in the state of Missouri. I think what they did was they had the opposite effect in some ways of creating some degree of good government. Because now what you're getting is a bunch of fly-by-nighters who only act a certain way because they're term-limited and are unaccountable for it. You could look at Stacey Newman, who is a perfect example of that, who no longer is going to be accountable to the voters, accountable to the state. I mean, she's, she's going to be accountable for what she did, believe me. If she thinks leaving the legislature is going to somehow make her problems go away, she's out of her tree. But nonetheless, you have a lot of people who go in there. There are a bunch of gunslingers. They don't have to care. 
because they're term limited. Many of them are attempting to seek jobs after their time in the legislature. So, for instance, going after Greitens for an impeachment actually bolsters some of their resumes for some people who are just simply taking all kinds of gratuities from our state government in the form of tax credits, those kind of things. So these people are doing this not for the goodness of the state, but for the goodness of them. So Nick Shore is going to join us a little later on. Genevieve Wood from the Heritage Foundation is going to be with us as well. And we're also going to talk a little bit about these individuals. They held some kind of some kind of convention where they were teaching children to be drag queens or teaching them how great it was, like RuPaul or something, had some kind of an event where the kids were told essentially to be, hey, this is great. We're going to, all ages, please, please project your inner drag queen. It really was pretty amazing. And all these young kids out there, and, and you know, listen, I love to teach kids and, and show children that the their efforts and their world is limitless in terms of what they can do and who they can be. And you never want to kind of stifle creativity, that kind of thing. But sometimes it goes in the opposite direction when you are essentially encouraging kids to uh, extract their inner drag queen. That's a little much. So we're going to follow up on that. It's a very interesting little video. Meanwhile, the excitement du jour in Washington revolves around President Trump, and he describes some of these criminal illegal aliens in a certain way that apparently is very offensive to some people. We, uh, we have people coming into the country trying to come. I'm only getting one channel again. A lot of them. But we're taking people reason. out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These are people. It's not playing. These are animals. It's not playing? No. Oh, I, I can hear it on my computer. Oh. Yeah. Um, there we go. No, well, I, I'm I don't taking them out of the country hmm. at a level. I'm, I'm not hearing both channels before. again. So. And because of the weak laws, they come um, in fast. We get them. We release them. We get them again. We bring them yeah. out. You, you fixed it last it's time. crazy. The dumbest laws, as I said before, the dumbest can people can can people hear this no. in the world? Oh, they can. So we're going to take care of it. It's just one channel for some reason. Yeah, we're we're trying to we're trying to fix it while we're while we're on here. But yeah, we uh, President Trump describes the illegals as 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 animals. We have people coming into the country and trying to come in. We're stopping I can't tell a whether lot people of can hear this or not. But we're taking people but, out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. So President Trump describes and them as of the weak laws. They come as, in fast. as animals. All right. So cue the individuals who are going to start doing their stories. Oh, yeah, they, 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 they yeah. can hear it. Okay. It describes people as animals. So, so then what does the Washington Post do? They start to dig up all kinds of file photos of monkeys. Well, because that's here's the thing. It's always the the liberals who decide that in some way, shape, or form, they're going to be the ones who project a certain association onto something when other people otherwise wouldn't project it. Like, for instance, there was in one town, I think it was in Pennsylvania or something, 
where the individuals, there was like a gorilla in the playground. They're like a statue of a gorilla. Okay. So the crazy left-wing loons demanded that the gorilla be removed from the playground because there was, because it was racist. So they, because they thought, and it's like, they're they're the ones, in my opinion, who have the issue because they're associating a gorilla with a certain kind of person or a certain race when otherwise you would never really – only racist people do that. Yeah. I mean, only racist people <laughs> associate yes. gorillas with a certain race of people. But these individuals felt like it was intimidating to the kids. It wasn't because it was a gorilla, like gorillas are dangerous or – you know, gorillas right. are are imposing or whatever. They're they're big. This this gorilla's big and might be scaring the kids. They just watched Jumanji and blah blah blah. No, <laughs> that's not it. They thought that the gorilla was racist. Now again, you have it takes a really special kind of white liberal loon to come up with that association, but they did. So then the Washington Post does a whole article about stereotypes. And it includes, like, pictures of monkeys and those kinds of things. And, of course, President Trump never described illegal aliens and people who are criminal illegal aliens as monkeys. But generally, when you refer to somebody as an animal, you're referring to them as a person who doesn't have anything but these raw instincts and don't care about anything. Now, I don't really know many animals that care about things because I they can't talk, so they can't tell me, like, well, you know, like the dog can't come and say, I don't, you know, I really do care about yeah. our environment, <laughs> and I really would like the water to be clean. And why do you people, when you do commercials for dog food, because I've seen them, why are you stabbing with fork? Because I know you don't eat it, so why are you poking the food I eat with a fork, and yet I don't? Eat the food. So that was if a dog could talk, that's maybe what they would ask us is, why are you doing that with food that I eat that you never eat and you're just trying to make it look more delicious? But are you trying to make it look more delicious to me or to the human being? I think that's what they're doing. Now you don't but think, they're poking with a fork. You don't think they're actually thinking this, right? Well, I'm saying if the animals okay. did think, okay. that's what they might the be saying if they could talk. And I'm sure... <laughs> That ultimately, if, for instance, there was some time where an animal suddenly could talk, they'd have a lot to say because I'm sure they built up a whole lot of stuff in terms of their observations of human beings that they'll be saying. Like, <laughs> like why are you feeding me the exact same thing yes. every single yes. day? I feel bad every time I pour my dog food into the bowl for him. I'm always like, gosh. The same thing every... You know what? He doesn't seem to care. Cats would be like, why are you always so concerned about me having to be attentive to you? I'm a cat. And yes, I'm kind of a jerk because I'm a cat. So why do you keep thinking I'm going to change for you as opposed to just sit in this window and look at you like you're just a piece of garbage? I think we automatically assume that cats are like almost well, they're aloof. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and they are, and and that's why a cat would suddenly speak to a human being and basically say, "Listen, stop worrying about what I think about you. I'm a cat." 
Now, stop feeding me. Stop feeding me vegetables because I'm a meat eater. And dogs are like, stop feeding me meat. I'm an omnivore. That's what they would say if animals could speak. Of course. People don't realize that dogs are actually more into vegetables than they are into meat. It's the cats that want the meat. And I don't even own a pet. You, you don't own a... The kids are, kids are allergic. Okay, see, yeah. that's why we bought a miniature schnauzer. Yeah. Because they're hypoallergenic. Well, my wife will never believe that. She won't? No. But, like, but they, they, they will never believe. But people with severe allergies will never believe things are truly hyperallergenic. They, they believe that's a myth. It's not. I, I understand. Don't, you're not, don't, don't, don't bother <laughs> talking to, to me about it. You. I mean, yeah. you know, don't. I've had this conversation already, so <laughs> there's no reason for you to try to convince me about that because I already know that. But, but no, there's, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Don't even try. But, but I, I know what you're saying. But, but again, it's, it's impossible to tell people with allergies that, that they, something is hypoallergenic. Although when I was a kid, I had not one but two schnauzers. When I okay, uh, we, yeah, I had I had a uh, uh, we, Fritz was our first okay. schnauzer, and when I told the story about when Jacob was on the air with me and how <laughs> I was the I was the puppy and he was the old dog. Well, that's what happened with Fritz, who became was an old schnauzer, and then I got a new schnauzer named Barney, and of course I set the stage for the fact that Barney was uh, I didn't clip his ears. I didn't have his ears clipped. Right. So he was a schnauzer with unclipped ears. And why they do that anyway is still beyond me. The things people do to animals is I will never know. And maybe there's some kind of health reason why they clip the ears. I think it was more cosmetic. It is. So they clip their ears, which is really when you think about it, like disturbing. Yeah. Schnauzers, again, if they were thinking things, would say, why are you snipping my ears? <laughs> I don't need them to stand up straight. Yes, I'm not, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be in the dog show on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> I'm a schnauzer, I'm in your house in Lime. Stop cutting my ears. See, my miniature schnauzer, Sir Walter Bottomsley, is his name. Sir Walter does feel like he is in a dog show 24-7. Even I the see. way he walks is like it's almost like he only leaves like like there's only two feet because they're so yes yes it's very proper. So, what exactly? Where where does the Sir Walter Bottomley come from? Bottomsley. Oh, Bottomsley comes from from. I have no idea. He oh. just looks. Oh, I see. He looks very is knighted. There, is there such a person as <laughs> Sir Walter Bottomsley? No. <laughs> so you invent you actually invented <laughs> yes. that name. Yeah. <laughs> So if, if your dog could actually speak to you, they'd be like, dude, you're calling me Sir Walter Bottomsley. <laughs> I make the, I'm, a, I'm a dog. <laughs> I make sure the groomers do. <laughs> They're like, Walter. I'm like, it's actually Sir Walter. Oh, I see. <laughs> They're like, oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. So I had two. And then Barney was the one who wasn't trained all that well and would somehow sometimes run around and tip and 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 tip Fritz over, where Fritz would fall over. I mean, he was fourteen <laughs> years old, so that's how that thing. That's how that we thing went. That? Well, because I'm talking about animals and how animals are. The minute 
Trump uses animal, mm. automatically the left wing and journalists assume that he's being racist because he's calling illegal immigrants animals. And I, I just don't understand how that association happens and why it's such a bad thing to call individuals who come to this country illegally and start raping and murdering people, why calling them animals somehow is offensive. offensive. It's like, you know, <laughs> hey, don't call that murderer and rapist an animal because they called people animals back in 1865. It's like, um, what? In fact, the people who were most associated with monkeys back in the day happened to be the Irish. Because they would make them look like, like, like leprechauns. They would make them look like monkeys. The, the, the people who suffered the most, well, I mean, other than obviously slaves and those individuals, were immigrants who were associated with certain types of monkeys and things like that. And Irish immigrants were subjected to that. But this whole idea that somehow, like there's one guy who went through the whole thing when, when Trump referred to illegal aliens and criminals sure. as, as animals. He says, um, he said, well, Africans were called apes. Jewish people were called rats. And before, here, here, here's what he goes. He goes so far as to say, and before the Rwandan genocide, Tutsis were called cockroaches. And we're like, What? <laughs> And, and first, and then he says, calling undocumented people animals, as the president just did, is gravely serious. It's not just an offensive word. So this person, in one fell swoop, decided that they were going to insinuate one way or another that President Trump was laying the groundwork for some kind of massacre of illegal aliens, which is ridiculous. Also, it's ridiculous to use the term undocumented. Because that's not what they are. They're illegal aliens. Even calling them illegal immigrants is wrong uh, because yeah. an immigrant is a person who comes over here through a process or who comes over here presumably legally. But these people aren't immigrating. They're invading. So, so I don't even – and l let me tell you something. The, the journalistic – Bible, which is the AP style book, does not encourage newspapers or others to call them illegal immigrants. They don't like that term either. And this is this is the this is the this is the journalistic style book. I've yeah. never heard of this. Oh no, no. I and so the the but but it's a euphemism. It's again how how the how journalists and how people utilize language to basically convey something that isn't true. So when gun control legislations sure. come forward, they call it gun safety legislation. When you are an illegal alien, they just simply say, no, they're just people without documents. It's like, no, that's not true. And there's a book that... That well, it's called the AP Style Book. The, the AP Style Book is something that, that tells or basically is, is a journalistic framework for what terms to use, what things to say, that kind of thing. And so it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. But they, but they don't even advocate for the term illegal immigrant because it doesn't wow. make any sense even from the standard of the English language. It doesn't make any sense. So the Washington Post goes on and on. I mean, it's a long – I mean, it's like 30 column inches where they describe how horrible it is that President Trump used the term animals. And what they're doing is they're projecting this onto – people and they're projecting this onto the president when he wasn't 
in any way, shape, or form insinuating somehow that these were monkeys or that he was being racist. Let's face it. There are people who are individuals who commit horrible crimes and do horrible things. They are animals because they are, in terms of their outlook and in terms of how they behave, they're wild, they're crazy, they don't have any structure, they just wander. I mean, why am I just why am I having to excuse the president for using the term animal when it's perfectly and significantly appropriate in this fashion to describe somebody who doesn't seem to have any care in the world about anybody, any decency, any morality, any ethics, any hum, human concern, how you how it's bad for you to call them an animal is beyond me. But it happens nonetheless. And that's the big controversy du jour of, of the day with uh, President Trump using that terminology. I'm trying to figure out why, why that only is coming through on one channel, but eventually we will uh, we'll get that oh, yeah. together and we'll figure it out. That. And I'll, I'll play it for you a little later on, the, the, the full context of it. But that's and, – and keep in mind, the journalists already believe that President Trump is racist. So yeah. anything he says will just simply reaffirm their claim in one way, shape, or form that he happens to be racist. So that's – that's a problem. All right, so we'll get going here. We're going to have Nick Schwar on with us in just a little bit. We're going to follow up on also what happened down there in Jefferson City where Ameren, which is, of course, whenever you're a big campaign donor and you basically have lawmakers in your pocket, you're going to get legislation that is favorable to you and not favorable to the citizens of Missouri. And right now, Ameren got this huge gift in terms of this ability to raise rates for infrastructure. And keep in mind, Ameren is one of these just these companies that is considered to be a pristine company. Like like they show up at all of the charitable affairs and they give money and I get all that. But that doesn't mean they should not be responsible when it comes to their rates and when it comes to what they're doing, and they should be held to account. The people who can least afford an increase in their electric rates are the poor in Missouri, and it does indeed matter. And for the lawmakers to have done this, we'll follow up on on all that. We're also going to follow up on the fact that there's one hardware store that now has been told that cannot serve popcorn. Yeah. You know what? There's a hardware store in town here. I think it's uh, Ace Hardware. Yeah. You go in, yep. popcorn, everything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, if this little move is any indication, they might have to end that practice. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what's so
All right, folks, we are back, and we're going to get uh, Nick Schwor on with us in just a second. And again, this whole thing regarding the impeachment process down there in Jefferson City is the biggest bunch of crap that we've seen in a long time. Make sure that you pay attention to who actually is trying to pull this off and who actually is the individual who is and the individuals who are attempting to remove Eric Greitens. And keep in mind that this whole process, this impeachment process and everything else, 
really started in earnest after charges were dropped against him. And why are they pursuing impeachment against Eric Reitens right now? I get it that there might be some kind of charge related to this computer usage or the mission continues or what have you. But what is it about these lawmakers that makes them so anxious and so desirous to get Eric Greitens out of their way? You have to follow the money. Absolutely. You got you to gotta follow the people who are going to be most injured by the possibility that Eric Greitens will remain Your call has been as forwarded to an a, automatic... So Nick Shore is not available? He's okay. not available. Um, you have to look at the, at, the, at the possibility that these individuals might kind of have something else about Eric Greitens that they don't like. And what they don't like about Eric Greitens is he came in and said he is going to drain the swamp. A lot of people have been asking, too. I've seen this. Even Republicans. Well, what has Greitens done to actually drain the swamp? Uh, what has he done that is actually making a big difference? Yeah. I, and, and, I've seen it. Well, it, he, he hasn't been able to. That, exactly. That, that, that's the problem is, is that the people down there yeah. – are getting in his way. It, it, it's the same thing that's happening with President Trump, mm-hmm. where you have a situation where his worst enemies are the individuals in the Republican Party. They're, they want, they're, they're not really the Democrats. Obviously, the Democrats are standing in his way. But the reality is the people who are doing the most damage to President Trump so far in terms of getting in his way happen to be Republicans, not Democrats. And keep in mind, too, Republicans control the legislature down there in Jefferson City. They, they, they control the legislature. So a couple of things will be going on here. One, you're a Republican-controlled legislature and you impeach a Republican governor. You might as well kiss your party goodbye because there are a lot of us who, if, if you don't kiss your car, bar, party goodbye, we will. And we'll make sure that that happens if you're doing it because of your issues with him what because he had an affair first of all it's none of your business right it's only the business of eric greitens and his family so it's it's really none of your business if you don't happen to like him morally or you don't like his values then when the election comes up again don't vote for him yep but I don't, I don't want the future of my governor any more than I want the future of my president to be determined by anybody other than the voters out there. And again, the impeachment process is a constitutional process. I understand that it's lawful. But if it's done in this gratuitous fashion solely because a lot of you simply do not like Governor Greitens or are afraid he's going to take money out of your pocket – then of course it's not defensible, and we need to ultimately revolt against that and and fight it, like Representative Schroer is doing once once we once he gets up. Because none of this uh, that has come out about Greitens was anything during uh, his time as governor. This was all pre that time. Yeah, yeah one of the problems with uh, 
sometimes with working with people down in Jeff City is things that you talk about the night before go out the window the day after. Right. Because they've gone out. Yeah. Yeah. And they've gone out and hit the town and they, they can't get up. That's usually the problem. It was the problem before with like I'm I'm not I'm telling you the truth. I've I've been I've been down in Jefferson City. Anything you say at six thirty at night, you probably if you're planning on anything the next morning is is not really happening. I'm not kidding you. Is this like a common atmosphere? It's absolutely okay. common atmosphere down there. And, and I guarantee you, Nick Schwartz, he's not at. He might claim he is. He's not at some committee meeting right now. He's he's in bed. He's on. He's enjoying his my pillow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, because it used to it used to be too. Like, well, for instance, with these guys, we'd go down there for the uh, for the opening of the session, and in, in Jefferson City, and we'd go down there and we'd set up and we'd spend the night down there the night before. So we talked to all these guys about showing up at the Capitol to do interviews with us the next morning. <laughs> but to them, it, it, like, yeah, sure, I'll be there at 6.30 because yeah, we, we are a morning show. So we say, hey, you know, we please make sure that you're, you're there. Blah, blah. So usually what happens is they'd all start arriving about 8 o'clock. Yeah, because they were hungover or whatever. Because they, they, but they, they all start arriving like at 8 o'clock in the morning and all at once. And is this our government that you speak of? Yes. Okay. All right. I just I mean, wanted the, to clarify. They're, they're all they're all good people. I, I don't I, I don't want you to, to 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 mistake that. But they're all they're all decent people. But they usually are. They're, 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 well, okay. Let's put it this way. Just okay. Just for the future, don't try to make arrangements with a, with a lawmaker in Jefferson City in the middle of a session for anything before, let's say, eight o'clock in the morning. It's a life. I should have. I should have. Like I should have known better, but <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't. I anyway. just didn't realize Jefferson City was so hopping. Oh, because when well, I no, drive it, but, but through see, there, it doesn't seem right. very hopping. Well, I know, but you're. I wasn't. I wasn't saying it was hopping. Okay. No, you're not correlating the two. No, okay. I mean hopping connotes some kind of like fun yes. and frivolity. Yes. Oh no, this is just dark, dingy, dingy. I'm at Bones. <laughs> I'm drinking with other lawmakers and maybe a few lobbyists, and having like something fried, and waking up the next day and going into the session. That's, I always, that's not hopping. I always figure, like, because anytime I head up to Lincoln the Ozarks, you always pass, I, I always pass through Jefferson City. And you've got the airport. It's like perfect lobbyist territory. You've got the airport right there. It's It definitely gives you that dingy. You've got closed down hospitals as you're driving by. It's just a very... Well, it's one of the reasons why you have, and again, I'm not insinuating this about Nick at all. He's a friend of mine, so now, he's, now he's calling me. <laughs> I he's bet you he heard. He, he's, he he, no, he's he's finally awake. <laughs> he's gonna do that that thing that you do when you get startled, but you don't want people to know you were sleeping. So you, hey, ah, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, sorry, I was on the other line. But your voice, you could tell. 
Yeah. You were asleep. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, sure. No, I'm, 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 no, I'm good. I'm good. I've been awake for a while. <laughs> no, I've been awake for three hours. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like you're not fooling anybody. I did know before. I, he's just, he just said the, the uh, he's, he's calling. He's, he said we should call him again. Okay. I'll but, call but, him. but here's the thing. Before we do that, okay. he, I'm not talking about him, but, but like normally what happens is you have a lot of these guys who get elected. They're like, they're, like, they're guys, like they're maybe a real estate age or something, sure. and they've never been away from home. And, and most of them are like living in apartments with two other lawmakers. I'm not kidding you. And, and it's like, that, not, why, now you know why there's so many problems down there. Of, there were so many problems down there of, with, you know, things with interns and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because these guys were running amok. They were just away from home for four or five days. And they get drunk all the time. Are you and describing like a, it sounds like you're describing a college. I kind of am. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. I mean, that's what ha- that's what happens down there. And again, I'm not referring to Nick. I'm I'm referring to people down there in Jefferson City. There are some good people down there, believe me. But part of the reasons why they had so many problems down there was just this hedonistic atmosphere that's created by people who suddenly are like in Jefferson City and they have their own office and they're out all night and they're. I mean, you know, they're state lawmakers. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. See, this is a dark side of government. Yeah, y'all. You spend one day down there and you see it, and then they have the. Uh, the, the I had one where there was a woman. I can't mention her name, but she was a Democrat lawmaker, a very well known one, and ultimately became a in a party leadership position. But I I've seen her dancing on a table at Bones. I am not kidding you, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I mean. I'll call him. I've got his, if it's the same number. He says he never got a call. Oh, of course. Of course he did. <clears throat> Is that the call? Is that the yeah. Okay. Of course he did. Oh, my gosh, Jamie. That's hysterical. we got to talk more about that later. <clears throat> oh, I can tell stories. Oh, yeah. That's great. Oh, yeah. It's why it's hey, this is Nick. Good morning, Nick. How are you? You there? Nick? Hey, you there? Yeah, we're here. How are you doing? Hello? I can I can't hear you. You you can't oh. hear me? Well here. Hold on. No, Nick. I can't. Hold on. That's what happens when you just get up out of bed. Can't hear. Can you hear us better now, Nick? I think his connection's bad. Well, and that's the other thing. It's so dark in Jefferson City, they don't even have cell, cell service. <laughs> It's like, it's like Siberia. <laughs> it's kind of, this is Nick. Hey, hey Nick. Nick, how you doing, man? Got you. What's Perfect. going on? So tell us about what you dreamt about. What was what was what were you dreaming about? What were you thinking? What were you like? What went through your mind while you? Sweet nothings and uh, radio free almonds. <laughs> I know you're the best, dude. We were like, I was accusing you of being asleep because I was like. I, I, and, and again, not just I'm not, I wasn't really talking about you, but I said our experience in the past has always been like we we talk to these guys. Hey, yeah, we're we're down there the night before like the opening of session. We're like, hey, yeah, come on to the air. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll stop by about six thirty or seven, and then they all come at about 
8, 830. Because they've been He's out laughing all night. Because he knows it's You true. know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. So, buddy, listen. I got to tell you. I so appreciate the fact. Because we were just talking about Governor Greitens and this impeachment proceeding. First of all, I can't understand what it is they want to impeach him for. Secondly, I don't understand why the impeachment process heats up just days and, dare I say, hours after charges were dismissed against him. And you stood up in Jefferson City down there as a Republican, basically saying, hey, wait a minute, let's kind of put some brakes on this and figure out what we're doing. So why did you want to take that approach? Well, you know, it's we need we need the fairest process possible. Um, me being an attorney, um, you know, I, I look at it from a judge standpoint and every time I go in front of a court of law, you know, you, you, you speak to these judges, which are highly respected people. Um, they look at the law, they look at the facts, they apply the law to the facts. Uh, and that's, that's all we need to do. So going into the special session, we kind of need to put the brakes on because as I've said before, um, we, we won't really only have one side of the story. Um, and with everything that's been going on in uh, St. Louis County or St. Louis City, rather, I'm sorry, with Kim Gardner right. uh, and the dismissal, man, this is this is number one. It's bad optics for for us to keep speeding things up with the dismissal of the charges. And I do understand. I do understand that there are some issues with uh, the fact that she was going to be called as a witness. She needed. um a little bit of a uh, breather room to figure out who's going to take over for her. But man, they dropped the ball in St. Louis city. Um, a lot of big issues with that. Uh, many, many people across the, not only the state, but the nation have said, look, you, when you siphon through 16,000 documents of forensic investigation and you don't find a trace, you don't find a lick of evidence that supports the dismissal. Um, so I, you know, we need to figure out number one. Um, we got to figure out what we're doing when it comes to um, this investigation and going into a special session. We have to figure out a fair and transparent process. And a lot of people, a lot of people in in our body, have come forward and said, "Look, we we got people at home asking just to be heard, asking that the governor's side of the story comes out." And we're hoping, we're hoping that that's going to go uh, forward in this special session. Yeah, and and I'm glad I'm glad you said that because the thing I don't understand, though, first of all, is what exactly do they want him impeached for? What 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 is the what is the reason why they believe Governor Greitens should be impeached? And also, Nick Shore, do you think that really the goal of some of these individuals really has nothing to do? with the fact that the governor had an affair before he was elected or the fact that he has been accused of uh, this document stuff, the the mailing list stuff with Mission Continues, and that it has everything to do with really his desire to put the brakes, for instance, on the tax credit situation and and deregulating and limiting uh, lobbyist gifts and those kind of things. Do you think that it's really kind of that that's the reason why they're after him and, and it doesn't have anything to do with really what they're impeaching him for right now. Yeah. You know, amazing points that you brought out, uh, amazing questions that you brought up. And, you know, for the, the vast majority of the people that 
I sit down here with day in, day out um, in our capital, those are the same questions we have. Uh, and to your point, I mean, yeah, there are going to be people that we know, tax credit people and all these other people that have been upset. Um, we you know, spoke with leadership and they're, they're cracking the whip. And I, you know, let me just get this out there. Our leadership with Todd Richardson, who's already been through this with John Deal and now with uh, everything with Eric Greitens, he's been an amazing person to work with, um, trying to find the fairest process possible. Um, and w- when you have all these different special interest groups that the governor campaigned on cleaning up the swamp, so to speak, just like Trump. And now that he's doing something about it, yes, there are going to be people that are uh, a little upset with what's going on, not only a little upset, but a lot of upset and are going to do whatever they can to get him out of office. Um, I am confident that going into the special session and continuing with this quote unquote committee that's going on, we're, we're going to try to get to the bottom of this as best as possible. Um, but going to, going to your first part of the question with, you know, what are they going to impeach him on? Man, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. I, I, I've heard number of stories of, okay, we've got the, the sexual allegations, which a lot of people think is a nothing burger because it happened pri- prior to um, him taking office. And now you've got the whole 16,000 document search mm-hmm. of his phone with no evidence of a picture even being taken on the date and time uh, that, that was alleged. Then we have the 501c3. Uh, some people are indicating, look, this was uh, his company, his list, his contacts, his people. Um, then again, you know, he, somebody in his camp, whether it was a disgruntled employee or not, and, and I'm speaking for a lot of people who have come forward. And this, I'm, I'm sharing what they're saying. Um, it, this was his company, his list. You know, so I we've got the 501c3 information, which you know he quote unquote could have broken the law if this was uh, the facts. Right. Um, then we've got lying to the Missouri Ethics Commission, which is uh, another charge. So there's several other different charges that are out there, some of which occurred before, if they are true, some of which occurred before uh, he took office. Some of them occurred during the time he's actually uh, presiding as the governor of the state of Missouri. Yeah, and all those things you just mentioned, uh, to me, are basically better left to a court system or the ethics commission or whatever. So, for instance, the ethics violation, if indeed he violated uh, the ethics rules, then he should be punished for violating the ethics rules. And sometimes that would involve a fine or what have you. And the first one you brought up regarding the sexual escapades, whatever those might have been, the charges against him have been dropped. So why the legislature now is in a situation where they're acting now as a prosecutorial body is beyond me. And regarding the mission continues, I get all that. And but but again, if he did something illegal, then a court should decide that or a jury or what have you. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that the impeachment process is something that's illegal in itself. But I'm trying to figure out why lawmakers are deeming this whole process necessary to begin with. I mean, even for that yeah. matter, the special session, in my opinion, the, the, I'd, I think a lot of Missourians would rather see lawmakers. And that's why I'm glad you're kind of standing up and saying, hey, wait a minute. Why are we here? What are we doing? Let's figure this out and, and let's slow this down. 
because I think there are a lot of people out there who believe that state lawmakers ought to be down there doing things for the citizenry, whether it be doing things or undoing things, and that let's leave the length of time that people are in office up to the voters and not to people who actually are not voters. They're lawmakers, even though they're duly elected. So I think that's that's the mood of a lot of people right now is that they see this all as just kind of a political gesture by a bunch of people who are butthurt by a guy who, who goes down there and says, I'm going to straighten things up in, in Jefferson City, and they're just trying to derail that. That's that's what a lot of people see, and they, they, might, they might be cynical. Um, I don't know, but the fact of the matter is this: a lot of this stinks to high heaven, to tell you the truth. You know, and that's that's the biggest thing that a lot of people, uh, and 163 representatives on here have to remember, a lot of them on our side of the aisle I know do, uh, is that he was elected by and large by the people of Missouri, um, the vast majority of people of Missouri. And me representing, being the voice of the people, being an advocate for the people that I represent, I have to keep in mind that I am here. And this is very easy for me to to keep in mind while I'm doing this, this job down here for the people of Missouri, uh, that I, I work for them. Um, whatever they want, I have to listen to. Just like, you know, as an attorney, uh, I, I'm working for the people of the District of 107. Um, so all these people that are out there, all these people that have concerns, they need to reach out to their – uh, their representative, they need to call them, go to house.mo.gov, speak to them, uh, email, whatever concerns they have, because these people that are down here in Jefferson City dealing with this stuff right now have to listen to you. We are, we are working for you. So if we're going to overturn a vote um, that the vast majority of the people elected a gentleman uh, by the name of Eric Crichton's into this office, we're, you know, we have to consider what's going on with all these different things that you brought up. However, we also have to listen to the people uh, that we're working for. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, Nick, I was talking about the makeup of the state legislature. And uh, Nick is a guy who is, first of all, as he mentioned, an attorney. He is also the in-house counsel for our friends over at Arrowhead, Build- Arrowhead Building Supply and Rick and Jerry and the rest oh, of the okay. gang over there. And so Nick is a guy who has committed himself. I mean, listen, I, I know you're he's already busy because he's actually gainfully full-time employed <laughs> with a couple of really great businesses out there. And, but, but he has decided to be in Jefferson city is right. He's probably the quintessential. He's, he's the kind of guy that we want there. Unfortunately, that's not the kind of people we always get, but he's the kind of guy we, we want down there because he's, he's living a life, but he's, but, but this is true public service commitment. So, uh, I like you, man. Appreciate you. It's too bad you can't come to the happy hour tonight. Yeah. I know Nick had said, you know, because normally you guys are done by Thursday. Sometimes. Yeah. We're going all the way through Friday, all the way through Friday. Hey, we tell me how, how did you vote on this Ameren bill? I'm asking you kind of cold because I, I don't, I, I don't, I haven't talked to you before about this, but I just saw this morning that the Missouri legislature passed this Ameren and other utility company bill supposedly to improve the electric grid, but basically what's happening is it allows them also to raise their rates as much as 5%. And that could, that doesn't hurt me, but it hurts people who, who can least afford it. Right. And that's a problem. What was your take on this bill? 
So that that was one that I know I know squat. I mean, that is not my area of expertise when it comes to utilities and electric rates. So I listen to both sides, just as any litigator should, uh, just as any representative for the people should. Um, it, it, we went back and forth, and um, this essentially has a cap built in place that they can't raise them more than a certain percentage, which they they could without this cap arguably being there. Um, a lot of a lot of debate going on the floor as to what was going on. The vast majority of my colleagues uh, that I discussed this with, we thought that the uh, different debate that was going on and the, the amendments that went on in the Senate and the House, uh, that this would actually be beneficial to uh, the people of Missouri with all these languages and tax cuts and everything else that was that was put in place. Um, if we if if we didn't have this language in there. Um, it would kind of be free reign for uh, Ameren and these utility companies uh, to exert their will, so to speak, over the people of Missouri. And you also kind of have to factor in all these different things with the natural disasters um, and we, the protection of our um, our grid, so to speak, um, which has been in need of an update for, I think, over like 50, 60-something years right, right. Uh, with hurricanes and tornadoes. There was a lot of stuff that we took into account, but uh, the preservation and protection of the, the rates um, we think was uh, best protected under this language. I can speak for me and several other people because this is not my area of expertise. Yeah. And I, I even got, I got their take on it uh, after listening to both sides, getting pulled off um, calls from constituents on both sides of this. Um, we think that this honestly is going to put a cap in place where they cannot go above and beyond a certain percentage. Right. It uh, doesn't mean that they, they are going to, uh, but without this in place, it kind of gives them free reign to do so. Right here, we think there's a little bit of a protection uh, for the people that are going to be served by Amber. Yeah, and ho- hopefully it results in a more efficient system because down the line, if you do improve the grid and, and things work out, it, it does result in a, in a more efficient system. A lot of us complain that every time there's a storm, power goes out. Yeah. Maybe an improvement in the grid will will help that problem out. So uh, to your point, when you do listen to both sides, one side will say these rate increases will go up 5%. Another side actually says they're going to go down within the next 90 days. Ameren is promising that they're reducing rates in the next 90 days as opposed to increasing them. And I guess the only thing we're going to be able to do is wait and see. Well, Jamie, it's just like this whole Greitens situation. You got people on both sides of the aisle that are "quote unquote" lobbying you uh, to make a certain decision, saying, "Hey, you know, this is so bad. No, this is a nothing burger." The best thing to do is listen to the the people that you represent, and that's what I've tried to do: is advocate for the people. Um, they're going to be impacted by both of these decisions. With uh, going in a special session for uh, determining what type of discipline we need to exert, uh, as well as this Ameren bill. So. You know, like I, I can't reiterate it enough. Get in touch with your uh, legislators down here in Jeff City. Uh, they work for you. I work for you. Um, and just voice your opinion. All right, brother. Thanks for your hard work down there. Thanks for spending as much time as you have with us and explaining what's happening, what's really happening down there. Representative Nick Schroer, thanks again, brother. Hey, thank you for the time. He's got a picture of a jackalope in his office. <laughs> He's got a picture of a jackalope in his office. Is that like his thing? 
Yeah, man. He well, he's kind of a hunter beard. Okay. He's kind of a hunter beard guy. Okay, you know, and so he's got like his. He's got all kinds of hunty stuff in, in his, hunty. <laughs> in his <laughs> office. And one of them's he's. I've seen him interviewed before, uh, or maybe he might do like a Facebook post or sure. whatever. And there's a big picture of a jackalope in his office. It's awesome. It's great. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, and folks, lay on you the latest when it comes. Have you heard of a thing called DragCon? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a convention of drag queens, and they had it. They allow people under the age of ten to come in free. Oh my god! How do you think that worked out? Well, we'll have that story coming up.
Remember this song? 100% no. A lot of people do. <laughs> it's like something from a car. You know, you're so lucky you didn't. You're so lucky you didn't grow up in the 70s when <laughs> the stuff was like. Song called Hot Butter, everybody. Good morning, this morning. Yeah. You think even this song is? No. <laughs> it sounds like carnival music. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guess what this song is? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're setting me up right now. No. Well, it's called Popcorn. That makes sense. <laughs> By the... Yeah. Like this, 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 they used to play this on the radio. Like it, used to, like it used to come over like on KSLQ. <laughs> like, oh, it's people used to drive around listening to this. And they're like, oh, this is my jam. Did people say that back then? No. No, oh, okay. And if they did about popcorn, they'd be looked at askance. Scance? Askance. Askance. Well, there's a reason why. I'm playing this song. It's a great intro to a story I'm about to tell you from the San Diego Tribune. (laughs) You know, you go to a hardware store and, like, Ace Hardware in town here, and they have a popcorn machine. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. People get popcorn and wander around and... Get their nuts and bolts and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> a scoop to nuts. And they uh, go and eat their popcorn and just enjoy their little merry day there. Well, now, apparently, according to the health department in San Diego, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. the popcorn machine is, a, is what they're calling a germy outlaw. So... You have to comply in California. Now, keep in mind, California is a state where they have warning labels on cars. <laughs> like yeah. on the window of a, of a car, there's a warning on the car that tells you that some of the things that, the, yeah. that, that, that are used to make, for instance, the, the seat of the car yeah. or the foam in the car May. or the plastic on the dashboard all may contain contaminants that could cause cancer. Right. Oh, you know that's got a label on it. And <laughs> I see you looking. Well, at I'm it. actually looking at because I was trying to figure out this coffee's good. It's it's Renoco. <laughs> yeah. Like about the filling station. Anyway, so the 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 thing with 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 these kinds of you know laws are that they are so intrusive in California, which is why they call it the Republic of California, uh, is because it's so oppressive, this regulatory environment there, that people just seemingly can't move. They're they're constantly coming up with brand new warning labels, brand new 
things that people have to be concerned about in California. It's driving everybody nuts. Well, there's this law goes all the way back to 1984, and there is a California Uniform Retail Food Facility Law. And usually, what here's what this here's what a law like this re- usually does for, for instance, a TV station. How many times have you seen the story about the ice cream dispenser? And how dirty, how and, dirty it is, yeah. and how contaminated it is, and everything else. Yeah. And, and they and they do these stories about how you know the yogurt dispenser, or whatever it is, could be bad for you, or the smoothie dispenser could be a danger to you. Yes. And so they do a whole news series about that, usually during sweeps, and they promote it like could. Could this 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 was an innocent enough machine, but could it be causing yeah, the, the sounds and microbial? They really, yeah. yeah, could it make you sick? Ice creams, and then the the anchor's like, ice cream is supposed to be a happy thing to eat, <laughs> but for some people, it causes st- my, <laughs> diarrhea or whatever. It, Coming up at six. Yeah, right. Yeah, a very happy thing to do could be dangerous for you. Coming up, we'll tell you about that. It's always. It's always interesting how they tell you they're going to tell you something's dangerous when they actually should probably be telling you now if it's really <laughs> yeah, that dangerous. I, I always say that. I'm like, well, what if you're getting ready to eat the ice cream yeah. and I can't wait till six? We'll tell you how dangerous it is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> they are yeah. so bad about that. So this uh, uniform retail food facility law, you have to install a three-basin sink to clean and sterilize a popcorn popper. And also it was required regular inspection. So just like a restaurant, popcorn dispensers, it's required that they be regularly inspected. So the guy who is the owner of this hardware store in La Jolla, and it's Mealy and Son Hardware, said, uh, okay, first of all, I'm not going to install a three basin sink to clean this popcorn popper. It's just it's just not going to happen. And so what he did, he just he just rolled the machine back into a closet and said, No more popcorn. Been doing this for twenty five years. But that's that's the world we live in. It absolutely is. It's the it's the world that doesn't allow uh lemonade stands anymore. Yeah. You know. How about the world of RuPaul's Drag Con, which is an annual drag convention in New York, Los Angeles. And for the second year, the convention has had free entrance for children under 10. This is so wrong. It turns out that for the second year, RuPaul has been attempting to basically now have events now for kids. It's not just like the kids are in... Kids are brought there, like with their parents who are interested in drag queenery. They decide they're going to queenery. <laughs> they're going to go and they're going to have a. And they have uh, they have a kid zone with a bounce house, arts and crafts, and kid friendly activities. And so what happens is the drag queens then, during the kid friendly activities, go in and they talk to the children. And they always they have these discussions, and it just so happens this one was actually on tape. I like Alaska, Bianca, and Tachiki. If I could be any drag queen, I would want to be Bianca. So these kids are dressed. Some of them, 
like what is that what is that thing you know where you do Snapchat yeah. and you put like blue hair on somebody or maybe you like put ears on right. on a people filter. Yeah, yeah filter well these people some of these kids are dressed like a filter like if you put like if you put ears on yourself in a Snapchat filter sure. these kids are dressed as if they are looking like they're in a Snapchat filter that's if they're not dressed in other kind of garb where they look like little drag queens, but they're, but they're girls, but they look like drag queens, even though they're girls. You know what I mean? Like I thought a drag queen, like it's a guy, right? Yeah. That's dressed like a girl. Yeah. But these are girls who basically dress like guys who look like girls. So they're kids dressed like drag queens. I'm not kidding you. See, I can't say anything here because all I'll do is offend people. If I like, this is so wait wrong. a minute. This on... isn't offensive enough. I mean, no, uh... no, that's exactly what I'm talking about. But see, like, I this is, in my opinion, it is child abuse to well, subject of your course children it is. to that. That's why I'm telling you the story because this is ridiculous. What's it's going on here? Crazy. So the the individuals here are then. With their parents, but they're also then being talked to by the, new- the drag queens. Not today, see? It's okay to have different hair. Or- the kids of DragCon is what this video is called, and so they have these sessions. And and here, there's one, and this is what you're about to see is is a drag queen reading a book to little kids. I'm not. I, I'm not laughing, there. but it's not like Sasha Valore. She has no hair. It's mind-blowing, just like seeing people that you idolize just standing there. What's your name? Hi, Violet. I'm Jane Canfield. You're just like, try not to explode. We met Kim Chi, and she was Fairmont highlighter. <laughs> Who all have you seen so far? Um, when they dress up, they look really <laughs> the, the One of them is <laughs> this, this guy who I guess, I guess here's the thing. In in some world, there and maybe people can chime in on Facebook about that. In some world, I guess there's some kind of like cartoony internet world where they see these people like the. It's kind of like the My Little Pony world. Yeah, but these are like drag queen people that apparently these young kids are familiar with. And and the one guy, the one guy dressed as a woman. Here, let me just. <laughs> I mean, it's this is not even funny. Uh, hey, when they Who all have you seen so far? Who all have you seen so far? That one guy's dressed like uh, When they dress up, they look really crazy. <laughs> and and the, how is it possible that as... I mean, listen, here's the thing. I get that there are people who have different experiences. And I get... That some of these people would say, "Well, you take you take your son to the to a ball game. Why can't I take my son to the you know?" I say, "I Large don't difference. see why." Again, I love the idea that you can teach your kids to be creative and whatever, but for some reason, there's this need on the part of these individuals to actually just simply install yes. weirdness into somebody. When sometimes being creative used to be like you can write poetry. You, it's like when we, we talked about that guy who did the 
who was the skating analyst oh. on the Olympics. Yes, Scott okay, Hamilton, so, I think. No, it was another or, guy. So, okay. So he is, he's, he's there, and he's doing analysis, and actually he is a very good skating analysis analyzer. He's, he's he analyst. He's, he's, a, he's a really uh, good, perceptive type of person for that activity, and having won a couple of gold medals. Johnny Weir. Johnny Weir, okay. So he's up there. And Johnny Weir actually is a was a great skater, and Johnny Weir also uh, is now a commentator for the for the networks. And so he's on there, and I'm watching the skating, which I enjoy watching it because it, to me, these are some supreme athletes. These figure skaters are pretty darn well put together in terms of their uh, in terms of their physicality and their creativity, and everything else. So I like watching figure skating. So. They break off and they go into the studio, and there's Johnny Weir, but Johnny Weir is dressed like a geisha girl. Oh, he looks like something from Hunger Games. Yeah, and and, and I'm, I'm trying, and he's got this weird hair that is like oh, yeah. way up, uh, like a bouffant of some sort. Like, and and he's got a a dress on and like these these uh, shoes and everything else. And, and and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm I'm not. A closed-minded person. I, I'm not a person who is not tolerant of gays or of transvestites or whatever. I'm not. I'm, that's not what I'm. I'm not intolerant of. But I am watching skating, and I do want to hear what Johnny Weir has to say. But I can't because I'm like, dude, you're dressed like you're you're in a dress, and you're not just in a dress. You're you're wearing hair that goes up three feet on you. You're wearing makeup and and sparkly sequin shoes. And I want to hear what you have to say about skating, but I can't hear you because I'm too busy wondering what the hell you're doing dressed like that on TV. I in the Olympics. We agree, but I will just say, like people think that this conversation that we're having right now, this is stuff that people think, but they can't necessarily. They feel like they can't say. I'm serious. Like, people, this is what everybody's thinking. When everyone looked at Johnny Weir on those Olympics, everyone is thinking he looks like a freak show. I mean, I think even drag queens were like, dude. Yeah. Don't do that on, you're, you're a skating analyst. Why are you dressed like that? And I mean, so I think sometimes it's over the top. And again, I love freedom, okay? I, I, I love the fact that I can be Radio Free Almond and say whatever I want to say, and and well, and not within yeah. reason, obviously. Yeah. But but at some point, when does the actual actions of an individual or the the way they lead their life? When is that going to be important, as opposed to what color your fingernails are when you're a ten year old boy? I mean, that's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to do the the content of your character instead of the color of your dress. Yes. Yes. Element. If I if I were the modern day Martin Luther, Martin Luther King. King at the drag con, I, I'd go. Well, you know what's really important is who you are as a person, not how much you can hide yourself under a pink wig and whatever it is you're doing with your Snapchat ears. I will never understand that entire subculture. I just don't understand it. But I it is, and and I think everybody agrees. It's a form of child abuse to subject your kids to something that they don't even know what they're being involved in. And not to mention, 
like these kids that are on these videos, 20, you know, 15 years from now when they have to get a job or something, that lives with them forever. Like that is unfair. On social media. And yeah. But you know, what's interesting too is, is, uh, in a, in a situation like this, when you are an impressionable, like if you're 10, and I'll just harken back to the 1972 Olympics, and this is how sometimes uneducated children are or sometimes how innocent they are in terms of how they view things. So we had the 1972 Olympics, and then the terrorists invade the Olympic Village. Right. And take out some Israelis and that kind of thing. And, of course, it's, again, it's the PLO. Go right. figure. So these guys are essentially called – they're called guerrillas. And that's the first time I ever heard the term guerrilla. And I actually thought – and this is 1972, so I'm nine. I actually thought – that gorillas, like real gorillas, invaded the Olympic Village. Now, keep in mind, I might have been just a really stupid nine-year-old, no. but I had never heard the word gorilla before used in that fashion because a gorilla, to me, was at the zoo. So when they said that gorillas had invaded the Olympic Village and killed all these people, I thought it was like a group of gorillas. <laughs> And, and I'm only telling you that because there's a good chance that there was another nine-year-old yeah. who said, who perfectly understood that it was a gorilla, as in G-U-E-R-I-L. I might have been more, uh, had a higher IQ than I did. But the bottom line is, that's how impressionable and how sometimes uneducated young people are. So if you're nine and you're at a drag con convention, you can imagine all the things that are basically going into your brain at that particular juncture and, and what you're being exposed to. So to me, you know, oftentimes I, I'm a, I'm a shelterer. Yeah. I, and I, I, I and, and so Same. I'm like when I, even when I was working on at channel four, when my older kids were younger, I wouldn't let them watch the news. Right. Because I didn't, because all we did for the most part is cover murder and everything. And if you just watched the news, mm -hmm. your impression of your world was that it was falling apart. That every time you turned around yes. or you walked the street, you could get robbed, murdered, or your mobile home will suddenly catch fire. Even if you don't have a mobile home, it'll suddenly catch fire. So that's that's kind of why I didn't want them watching the news. So. Even though that was my profession, that's what I did, for the most part, I wouldn't let them near the news. And if they wanted to see me, I could always pull out a VHS back <sighs> in those days and, and show them a tape. Of I what, totally what agree with what you're saying. I don't like my kids to watch the news for that exact same. We don't really turn it on. No. And that's why, too, for instance, in, in, in a lot of times what we do here uh, and what I did when I was with the Dinosaur Show. By, by the way, uh, I, I, I had to tweet out something to 97.1 as like. Get my name off of your website. Yeah, by the way, so many people were, uh, because your app, which by the way, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't gone to the app store on your phone, you got to download the Radio Free Almond app. But if you type in Almond, like Jamie Almond, or even Radio Free Almond, one of the first things that comes up is the 97.1 app because it has your name on it and it shows your show in the picture on it. 97.1 has an app? 
apparently for the last like seven years. Oh, well, get my and and and, and that might be something that they're doing on purpose. I would have to, but think. but first of all, you they have on their app still what almond in the morning, right? <laughs> And what else do they have on there that has yeah, my name well, on it? Because I, I tweeted them. Well, it's it's on the picture. You're still all over the place on that channel. Well, they're still using my voice on the damn thing. I heard that the other day. <laughs> there was a commercial for all Leave me alone. I mean, you know, what, 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 what? we have a call coming. Can I take this? Um, I guess. This is Radio Free All. Good morning, everybody. Good morning this morning. And you are Ryan. I love you. I've never seen you before. I heard you before, uh, RFA. What's up, man? <laughs> but I, hey, yeah, I was actually calling. I agree with you whole about the whole child abuse thing. But um, actually, this this morning, I decided to search on the App Store to see if uh, Radio Free Almond was in there yet. And I searched Radio Free Almond. And sure enough, 97.1 was the top one. And I almost just closed it, and I decided to scroll down, and then I saw RFA. I think I left you the first review on there, yes. so yay. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I saw that, too, and I'm like, why is 97.1 popping up when I'm searching Jamie Allman? It still you know, says, Radio it's, Free Allman. Yeah, it still says Allman in the morning on there. And then on the other thing, it says FM News Talk 97.1 St. Louis FM connection to Fox News Radio and talk radio personalities like Jamie Allman. And by the way, this is how inept they are. Jamie Allman, Glenn Beck, Dana Lash, George Norrie, and Mark, none of whom are on the radio station at all. But but I'm telling them now, and I tweeted them last night from my J. Allman 971, which I still have, and I'm trying to get you all over to Radio Free Allman on Twitter, but, I, but that's going to take a while, and I can't really change my right. name without deleting my account. But I tweet, tweeted them yesterday. I said, get my name off of your stuff. <laughs> Stop using my name. But, but now, now, for instance, now that they know that, it's convenient for them because the Radio Free Allman, the 97.1 app, comes up ahead of, ahead of them, and, and I think they're probably no, leave, they're going to yeah. leave that up there on purpose. I mean, it's kind of why they're yeah, why, why they're buying Facebook likes. Yeah, right. yeah. So, I mean, I would definitely get them. You know, sick them, Jamie. <laughs> get your name off their stuff, Brandon. You gonna, Brandon? You gonna come down but to hey, the? Uh, you gonna come down to the happy hour tonight? Man, I really want to so bad, but my bedtime is three o'clock. You know, I, I'm a truck driver, and yeah. I, I start it at midnight. Gotcha. So I can't make it, but. Uh, I believe our friend Sharon's going to be down there tonight, so uh, I told her to drink one for me. All right, brother. Hey, listen, thanks a lot, Brent. I appreciate you calling to the show. Thank you. All right, so we, what we're going to do tonight, it's 4 to 7 here at Gaslight, and this is going to be an awesome uh, time. We're going to be able to see the studio where we do all of our stuff, and we're going to set it up. It's going to be set up just like it is right now. And then you can pop in, and we're going to show you around the joint. And we're going to have great drink specials for you Radio Free Almond folks, and also some great food. And I'm going to continue on with this story from the Drag Con, because I want to, you, 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 gotta, you, you really got to see this to believe it here. They always have different things that are always so cool. I like Peppermint when she says, I cannot believe what they are asking us to do. I only have one favorite queen. So, so they're all 
they have favorite queens. Oh, I and, yeah. and their favorite drag queens. Now I don't know where all this comes from, but these are little kids talking about who their favorite drag queen is. Hello, hello, hello. hello. I also love Trinity. Trinity. She's amazing. Like I was worried that she wouldn't be as amazing as she is in the show, but she's really sweet in real life. Aw, who's your favorite from the season? Uh, I think Vera. Vera? I'll give you 20 if you say that I'm your favorite. Actually, I'll give you a t-shirt. Oh, my God. You're my favorite? Oh, good. See, look, I'm her favorite, everyone. Grow up and be a drag queen. Oh. We make the world better. Okay. Yeah, grow up and be a drag queen. We make the world better. Now, keep in mind, too, while this is going on, this drag queen, who is a male... Yes. Is has her his hands all over this little girl. And it's like, really? This is this is anyway, that's, that's no, this is a drag con. sick culture. New York City, that 2017. Is a, that is a sick culture. Yeah. I'll just say it. I know people will be labeling uh that is bigoted to to say that that is uh so repulsive. But I mean once you start subjecting kids who have no real understanding of the culture that they're being uh, indoctrinated into, they don't make that choice. It's the parents that are making well, that choice. Well, they're too young to be able to make that choice. I mean, let's, let's put it this way. Oftentimes when it comes to uh, minors, laws that cover abuse of them always say that a young person cannot consent to certain kinds of activities and cannot consent to certainly any kind of physical activity or sexual activity with somebody. So how is it that when you're dragging them to a drag queen convention that there's any consent in that situation? Now, let's put it this way. If you're a parent and the parent is thrilled with the whole drag queen culture, that child who certainly wants approval from their parent, mm-hmm. what do you think the child is going to say? Is the child going to say, no, I'm not going to wear a rainbow wig to this event, mom or dad? Not there, at, I noticed there are a lot of moms there, which is not at highly confusing to me. But no, they're, they're not because you want approval from your parents. So parents have a lot of power over their children's decisions and, and, and their, what their children are exposed to. And oftentimes, children are not going to say no to you because you're their parent. And so you have this amazing control. But with w- coming with that control is an amazing responsibility. Right. And, th- and that's what's so important about this kind of thing. And that is you have a responsibility to make sure that your children are not exposed to things that ultimately might even expose them to a certain level of harm, or to a certain level of disdain or what have you. Because really, being a drag queen is kind of a big move when you're a guy and you decide your life is going to be dressed as a woman. That's kind of a big move. That's more than just being creative and making like a cool drawing or uh, writing a poem or something like that. So there's a little bit of a step there. You know what I'm saying? I There's a comment here. I want your take on this, Jamie. So Corey says, I love the show and the fact that we can get along and still have different opinions. Anyway, Kabuki theater, Shakespeare plays, were all men portraying women. This is that kind of theater. I think it's no different from Star Wars or Star Trek conventions. 
Well, sometimes. I mean, it, it depends on, like, for instance, if you go, he's talking about Kabuki theater. Well, if you go all the way back to Shakespeare days, women were not on stage at all. There, there were no women on stage. Right. It was used, It was only men. So I, I understand that. But keep in mind, and, and, and maybe I am overthinking the drag queen thing, but for the most part, when you go to drag queen festivities, it's a highly sexualized atmosphere. I, I, I don't think you can get around that whole thing. Kabuki theater is one thing where, where you're actually watching a performance or doing whatever. But to me, the, the, the Kabuki theater is more, is not really about necessarily the physicality of these individuals. Right. Like, like, like you're not a guy stuffing your chest to make it look like you have breasts. I mean, I, th- I think Kabuki theater is a little more, intellectualized i don't think there's much to intellectualize about drag queenery i'm just and and usually when you go to these places though aren't these people i always thought that they were more like uh, it was more like a sexualized atmosphere now these people also explain ryan like like for instance when you have these uh my little pony conventions and they call them bronies i was just getting ready to talk about that i wouldn't (laughs) <laughs> well, because my... you know why? Because you're going to have you, you will hear from oh. every brony <laughs> you will get... that ever existed. No, there is to your point. You were talking about how highly sexualized some of these. I actually do agree to some extent with him. The one that he didn't mention was things like Comic Con, uh, which are people who are real into these comics. It is a highly sexualized environment. They, it is. It is basically turned into that now. It's a lot of like anime and uh, these girls dressing and basically no clothing. And I agree. I, I don't think, I think that's a little worse, but not much than some of these other conventions that go on. Yeah. And again, you, 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 you can go to the convention. We won't be going to the convention. <laughs> I not. And, and, and I'm not quite sure that – I think sometimes it, it – and maybe it's just that we are not we're, – we're underdeveloped socially. <laughs> and, and, and maybe we just – like Corey points out, maybe we just don't understand how it's no different than dressing up as Spider-Man. But, I mean, to me – there's a big difference. Huge difference. And I'm just saying, now keep in mind, we did, I can't remember whether this was in, I think this was in college. This is why college sometimes can okay. be a, a real waste of time. <laughs> uh, but we were in uh, school and there was actually a discussion about whether or not Batman and Robin were like a, a gay, oh, yeah, were like a gay couple. Yeah. And, and, and like, because you had Batman who was the, <laughs> the, the guy <laughs> and Robin, Oh, we got to call Genevieve. And, oh, and so we, um, I'll get, let me get her on the line here for you. But, but that, can you imagine? I, I'm, I think I, Oh yeah. Somebody pointed out too. They also have the electric stove up there still. I on know. I saw that. Website, yeah. Which is my, that's mine. Where I, is the electric stove? Uh, well, you want me to bring an electric stove yeah. in here? I guess I could possibly. We, we, we <laughs> can have our own electric stove. But may, maybe they're doing that to see whether I'm going to take it and they'll accuse me of... of <laughs> electric stove theft. Of somehow. <laughs> here, it's Genevieve's phone number. Oh, goodness. There you no, go. No, JV, we're not overthinking this. We're, this is... 
I, I know I feel like, yeah, we're making a big deal. And people were saying, well, they got this from, uh, he has his own TV show, RuPaul's. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all watching this. This is the problem with TV. This is the problem that, this is why I don't generally let my kids watch this junk. And it's, uh, well, because you're closed-minded, because conservatives are closed-minded. No, it's just that if we ever want to maintain this country, we have to maintain a culture and a value system. I mean, you're, you're... Seven years old. Yeah. I mean, there's just something just not right about educating a seven-year-old to be a – to model a drag queen. There's just something not particularly – and again, maybe maybe we're just missing something and New York and L.A. – just is way ahead of us in terms of our – and their social development. But I got to tell you – Sometimes I do think it's a little more of a of a of a maturity issue than yeah. anything else, and I think that some of these kids are just not really adept at being able to digest this stuff in a in, in the kind of fashion that maybe they should. But I don't know. Maybe it's no different than 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 Comic Con or whatever else. So I'm calling uh, Genevieve, but somebody said wife and I went to not me. Uh, said wife and I went to a drag show. It was pretty funny. Right. They went to a drag show. They didn't bring their kids into an indoctrination camp for drag queens. Yeah. I mean, I I went to a show. I can't remember what it was uh, where it was guys. It was like Cinderella. And, and 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 I went to it at a theater here and it was just, and it was somehow I don't know how I managed to go to this thing. But it, it was something related <laughs> But it was all g- the guys. It right. was all men who were like the steps. I, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I understand. Yeah. You, you went to a theater program where there were guys dressed up as women. I mean, it's, it's been an age-old thing, you know, in, in, in days of comedy. And, and yes. when you look at Jack Lemmon, uh, Tony Curtis, and, and those kind of things. I know that happens, but these are adults, like, like, you, like right. after you've asked the guy if after he saw the program, did he go home and dress his, as his, his sons Bingo. up as, as a woman? No. Yeah. If, his, if his son came out of, came downstairs dressed as his daughter, would he, is that something you would like? And that, that's what I'm kind of talking I, about here. I so, get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm glad we made our opinions known there. <laughs> No, it's a television show, but <laughs> Genevieve, that's yeah. We're calling you just a little late, but but nobody seems to be answering their phone this morning. Hello, this is Genevieve. Hi, Genevieve. What? It's Jamie Allman and Ryan. Hey, down good in... morning, Jamie. How's it going? Good. Well, we're just a little behind on time, so I appreciate you uh, being available to us. Hey, That's, my mom is here visiting. She's like, are they, call, they always call later. Do they sometimes, I said, sometimes <laughs> yeah, I know your mom from Texas. She, she still live in Texas. She does, but she's headed back today. Oh, wow. She was that... here for Mother's Day weekend. Oh, nice. I asked you a while back. I think I asked you about your parents. Weren't you, wasn't your mom a teacher? She was, yeah, high school teacher. High school teacher. And wow. my dad was a uh, history professor. Right, right. I remember asking you about that. Well, that's very cool. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, teachers uh, have a lot of my respect because it's, uh, it's tough. It's not easy. Not an easy job. No doubt about it. So President Trump 
is now being ridiculed by a lot of different people in the media and beyond for referring to illegal immigrants. I'm talking about criminal illegal aliens as animals. I mean, have we reached a point now where the media and everybody else, they're just simply trolling and going for the lowest hanging fruit to try to get something on this guy? Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that along with the, the, the Mueller investigation, I mean, they're doing what they can do, but the, if there's not something there, they just try to make it up. Yeah, look, Jamie, there's nothing that he could say about any group of people that those who don't like him aren't going to try to turn it into a negative. I mean, I'm not, I'll be honest, there are times where I think the president, he, he may cross the line of what you would call, you know, civility at times, but he's also drawing attention to things like illegal immigration by using very blunt language. Uh, and I think that reflects the, the feelings of a lot of Americans who are bluntly set up with the fact our government has not been protecting the borders, has not been doing what it's charged to do. And many of those people are sitting in Congress. He's called them out. And people, that's one of the reasons he got elected. He, he called it out. Yeah, and I th- I think at some point, I mean, I'm not quite sure, because like the Washington Post then summarily put together a story where they just littered it with images of monkeys and of age-old uh, writings and things like that that were referring to all these people as animals or as rats or this or that. I'm not quite sure really that's what the president was insinuating somehow or for that matter even setting up because they talked about how uh, a lot of these ter- – using a term, term like that is, is what they did when they uh, – like in, in Africa when the, the Tutsis were referred to as a certain thing and then that, that pre – dated a massacre. And it's like, I'm not quite sure the president really is insinuating that there are a lot of us out here in just regular old, regular old world where we'll use the term animal, but it doesn't mean it's racist. It doesn't mean it's this. It doesn't mean that it's people who are acting without any kind of soul, any kind of thought, any kind of instinct, whatever. They're just acting on their most primitive type of actions. And when you're a rapist and a murderer, you're an animal. Right. Right. You're, well, you're acting outside the law. I mean, animals don't live within laws, right? <laughs> Human beings right. do. It's supposed to, they're, you know, sometimes we violate them, but you're supposed to live within the laws, you're supposed to live within borders, and, and so on. So, yeah, when people are acting out, people have often referred to them as animals. But, again, I, it, just, it goes back to the thing, as opposed to focusing on the problem, illegal immigration, focusing on what we should be doing to fix it, uh, those on the left, many in the media, just want to go around and talk about issues like this and not focus on the real what's what's really at issue and that's where i think a lot of people just tune out they don't listen to this stuff i mean msnbc may be playing it and they'll have a lot of shows about it but the majority of americans don't care about that stuff yeah what's your take on some of the calls for miller to finally just say hey uh this investigation has to end it's been going on too long he has nothing and and yet we're still talking about the possibility of the president being subpoenaed, which, of course, is going to be another fishing expedition as far as I'm concerned. So what's your take on that? Well, I mean, again, if there's something there and if, and if Mueller's as good as most people on both sides of the aisle believe that he is in terms of being an investigator, an attorney and so on, then I think they would have found something. And the fact that they've had to go in all these different directions shows uh, it wasn't quite as plain and simple as, again, many on the left had, us, had wanted us to believe. But in the problem that when you're, you're an investigator like this or a special counsel, people expect you to find something, right? 
I mean, it's going to be hard, even though there may be nothing there. I think he's having a hard time winding it down because he doesn't have anything yet. I mean, there's there's no there's been nothing that's come out that was a begin that was why they started this investigation in the first place. And so to come and go, well, guys, you know what? We took a look at this. We've done it for a couple of years, and guess what? We couldn't find anything. So case closed. That's going to just send so many people into a meltdown that I maybe he's just afraid to do it. But it, it seems to me it's headed in that direction, uh, and they're just finding trying to find a graceful way, perhaps, to get out of it uh, to find something on somebody. But I think those who are saying the two years is up. You need to end it. Are the, are are right? Yeah, I mean, it's, at some point too, there's the question of whether or not the president can be subpoenaed at all. Have you guys at Heritage been able to? Well, question: Can, can he be? In, there's a great a great question of whether or not he can be indicted, and I think right. that's you know, that that's a big question. There are a lot of legal scholars who say no. Well, and and, and but and, and can he be even subpoenaed? Right. Well, and, and I don't, I mean, I'm not an attorney. I yeah. don't know the answer to that question. Uh, but, but, but my guess is you can find an, you can find lawyers on either side who will tell you, <laughs> will give you two different answers. And so then we'll, we can have that debate for the next year. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and I, look, I, Jamie, I think it, if this drags out, I don't see it dragging out much beyond the 2018 election. Okay. I think, I think a lot is going to hang on that because the reason so many Democrats and so many on the left have wanted to keep pushing this and pushing this is they want it to affect the elections. And they're hoping that they can take Congress back. And many of them, especially those that would be in the House, are hoping that they could get an impeachment of the president. I think it's looking less and less likely that the Democrats actually are going to get a majority and are going to, they may pick up some seats. But I think it's looking less likely that they're going to win either house in Congress. So if they don't, then this thing really becomes ridiculous. Uh, and so, you know, we may have to put up with this through November, but I think that's going to have a big say on where this eventually goes. Yes, it's interesting to find out that ultimately, uh, maybe even a, you know, six months ago, there was this talk that of the of the big blue wave or whatever it happens to be, and that just is not coming to fruition here. We have as, as many as nine or 10 Senate seats currently held by Democrats, and they are at the very least on shaky ground. Some people, some names, even Tester for that matter. And, and obviously here in Missouri, Claire McCaskill, she's an incumbent. And even on a generic Republican ballot or just against this person who's presumed to be the front runner, which we have some dispute with, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, that somehow that, that, that she's tied and you're a, you're an incumbent. So that's got to be trouble for you. Well, oh, definitely. And look, it, it's always been that the, that the Democrats should have been having a tougher time holding on to Senate seats because they had more of their folks up this time around than, than Republicans did. Uh, so much of the, you know, a lot of that will depend on the candidates they're running against will depend on you know where the, what the mood of the electorate is. But I think it is going to be definitely tougher for Democrats in the Senate. And on the House side, that's where they were seeing, they thought, a lot of momentum. But you go back to just the, the uh, primaries, I think, a week ago, and in places like Ohio, you had Republicans turning out in higher numbers than Democrats, which you know is, has not been the trend. Uh, so I think that's that's a good sign for Republicans. There's a long way to go, but I think people are feeling good about the economy. They're beginning to see more and more effects of that. Uh, you, President Trump has had a good, you know, this is, has been a good week on the foreign policy front. But again, there's a long way to go between now and November. But I, you know, I also think, and we're seeing this in the Senate now. We're heading into the, to the summer months. Uh, the Senate's already talking about August recess. You have over 280 
folks waiting for confirmation that, that Trump is nominated, over 280 that are being held up in the Senate. Now you've got some senators like Senator David Perdue of Georgia and others, Joni Ernst in Iowa, saying, let's cancel August recess. Let's get those confirmations through. Let's get a budget through so we don't come back and do an omnibus. I think if people start seeing them fight as well in, in, in Congress, that would help their chances dramatically in doing better in November. So that's that's hopeful. We'll see if it comes through. If you are looking at 2020, are you seeing any kind? I, I know that Senator Flake and some of these others, there was talk somehow that uh, he might give an interparty run against the president. Are we even seeing that going away? Are there, will there be anybody really seriously challenging President Trump in 2020 if he decides to run, which I, obviously it looks like he is? If you, I mean, based on what I know today, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, most senators think so much more highly of themselves. They think the world knows who they are, and they yeah. don't. I mean, you know, they might, might, might be known in their home state. Uh, but, you know, Senator Flake is retiring because he was probably going to lose if he ran again in Arizona. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, right? So maybe he could win in New Hampshire. I don't know, but he's not in New Hampshire. So. Yeah, I, I don't see somebody like him getting gaining any kind of steam or momentum. And on the Democrat side, when you all are talking there at Heritage about this amongst each other, who who is standing out? I mean, I, I like much like you talked about how people don't really know who Jeff Flake is. Do people really know who Kamala Harris is? Or I mean, I just don't see. Now, keep in mind, I remember back in, for instance, ninety uh, one. And there were like seven different Democrats running, and there was a guy named Bill Clinton from Arkansas. And we're like, "Who the hell is that? We don't even know yep. that guy." But and he and he wound up being president. <laughs> so it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that somebody could pop out and and suddenly become president. But who is it on the Democrat well, side? Well, that, Jamie, that, that was true. Barack Obama. Yeah. Nobody knew who he was either. I mean, yeah. at least Clinton was a governor. You know, Barack Obama was a one-term senator. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it does show that somebody who pops out and has ideas, good or bad, but they do have ideas and they're, you know, passionate about them. They Trump, I mean, everybody maybe had heard Trump's name, but they had no idea he was going to run for president. But I mean, these are people that they can they can rise to the top quickly. Uh, I mean, I think on the left hand side, look, Kamala Harris is clearly aiming to get out there. And if given a national stage, which we know the media would certainly give her, uh, she'd get name recognition, I think, pretty could get it quickly. But I think the Democrats, they're all seeing who can run to the left the fastest. Mm-hmm. I mean, poor Bernie. Next thing you know, he's going to be the moderate in the party. It's <laughs> true. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I mean, that's the, now. Do you think? Do you think Hillary Clinton would dare come back? <laughs> I, could, I could only hope so. Yeah, I know that would be very entertaining. I don't. I don't. I don't see how. I know that 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 she still believes that this was a slim margin victory and that President Trump lucked out and all this kind of thing. But boy, I'll tell you, I just don't, I don't see how she could possibly think that simply by redoing her campaign and maybe, maybe going to Altoona this time is really going to help her out. (laughs) (laughs) No. And plus the Democrats, I can't, I mean, they're smarter than that. (laughs) They're not going to let that happen. There's no way. Are you having a good time with Mama? What, what do you guys? What do you guys do? She's been up there since Mother's Day. Are you guys taking the the grand tour of DC, or she's probably been there before, right? Uh, well, you know, I've I've lived here for a number of years, so they've they've been here. My parents have come up quite a few times, so 
doing more of the tourist stuff we haven't. Though I will say that when they were here um, right after Easter, we did do a tour of the West Wing, which was really nice. A friend of mine who used to work at Heritage now works at the White House. Well, there's several of them over there, but uh, she gave us a nice tour of the West Wing, so we did do that. But usually we're just you know we hang out, go shopping, go nice. to dinner. Can you uh, can you put her on the phone for me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, where is she? she's packing? Well, that, that that's not my problem. <laughs> if you if you are you are you are you on a a landline that's tied to the wall? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I want to talk to your I'm mom. Looking for okay. You build you have a big her. house, huh? Oh wait. We're asking if you want to go be on the radio show. She said, "Not this time." Oh, come she on! A little more notice. Just a little. I mean, I, it's not going to be a tough question. I just wanted to ask you what kind of a of a of a daughter you've been. What kind of what, you, what, what kind of a little girl you were? <laughs> she would tell you very nice things. Okay. Well, you know what? That happens when when you are. Uh... Well, she's having her coffee, so you know she's got her getting her voice together. <laughs> okay, that's fine. All right. So maybe she's she's a little more shy than her daughter is, evidently. Only slightly. <laughs> I, I got you. She's like, only even, slightly. I'm not getting on some phone with some dude in St. Louis. I don't even know. That's she's got her instincts are right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Genevieve. We'll we'll, we'll we'll see you at heritage.org and dailysignal.com and uh, tell your mom maybe next time. I will definitely do that. All right, you take care, this Genevieve. Have a good one. You too. Happy Thursday. You too. Keep your hands to yourself.
your hands to yourself. Good morning, everybody. Good morning this morning. So our app is being downloaded like crazy, correct? Like crazy. On Google as well as on Android. Well. Oh, I'm, sorry, no, I'm sorry. Google as well as on Apple. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I was actually going to let you self-correct that. Oh, you know. I just, I, I, this whole thing with the technological part of it, which is why Ryan's been so awesome, is I just have like no idea what is happening like i got this new phone and i was taking pictures and i finally have somebody who i can ask when i take the pictures with the phone why does it look like it's a video too and there are multiple pictures and like what is going on with that and i guess i could google it you could have but i just was wondering like why that happened so last night when i am at the daddy daughter dance there at the uh, missouri athletic club which was a ton of fun by the way uh i went ahead and took some pictures with me and the girls and everything else but i noticed that there were they look like videos although they were still pictures but when you looked at them like it would move <laughs> and i'm thinking like what is going on here why why does that do that and so this morning i finally asked ryan i go why does that do that ryan will you maybe explain to people who otherwise would not know why that does that what that is well the newer iphones have live pictures so when you take a picture it's really about a two second video because it's capturing slightly before and slightly after it's capturing the moment of the picture and they're really quite fun because it even gives you a little sound snippet along with it. Yeah. Um, and so they're really, it's amazing. And then when you, now where you got to be careful, like I was explaining to Jamie, is that you can text live pictures to other iPhone users and then they can see your live. They can play it. So like if you're saying or potentially doing something that you don't necessarily think should be shared you could potentially be sharing a moment you may not want to share i'm not one of these individuals who does this with my kids because i happen to think sometimes that when you yell at your kids about smiling you're not going to get a smile from them yeah and and i'm i'm more like (laughs) i'm more like like to just take pictures of my kids and I like them more in whatever natural situation they happen to be in, so I don't bark at them to smile. So, But if you are one of those people and you're barking at your children to smile and you're taking a picture with your <laughs> iPhone 10, you barking at them and then them smiling will come through on that video just so you all know if you are a picture barker, as we call them, 
then you will uh, notice that uh, you will be captured doing that if you happen to text it to somebody without <laughs> now if you it text off. it you have to turn it off right yeah because you just press the little button up in the top left hand corner and it'll it won't send it as a live picture it'll just send it as the still pretty good so let me you know and i will say jamie you are not as behind technologically as i think you don't give yourself enough credit this has been there's a lot of technology with all of this everything that we're running here i mean it's pure technology versus like dinosaur radio style. But it's almost simple technology, it, though. It is. It's very simple. I know it can be frustrating at times, but I do feel like you're like you're not that far off on well, it. Well, no, I, I mean, I, the, the, my biggest problems really are very simple. Like, for instance, I still can't figure out why everything in my Malibu is in French. <laughs> I, I hit a button once, and... Everything is in French. I'm learning French. Uh, I'm, a little, I, I'm learning a little more uh, uh, French. Like I know when my phone rings, Respondere is a is answer. <laughs> so now I know that thing of uh, uh, that part of French. But everything else is in French. And and I'm telling you, the manual doesn't cover it. <laughs> and I've been through every click on my steering wheel to try to get it back to English. And I can't find that at all. That's the one. That's the one confounding part of my Malibu. Now I'm, I'm sure there is some easy fix to it, and I've looked all over. But I, for some reason, I clicked the button once. It's all in French, and I can't get it out of French. I make a point because yeah, I determined this a while ago. I'm 31. I'm open about that. Um, I made a point a long time ago. I felt like I knew everything about technology. Then you, you do, you just kind of, I've made a point though, to not get behind. So I'll have my like kids. Cause now my kids know as much as I do, if not more. So I have them show me like when Snapchat came out, right, I had no right. idea how to use this, but I didn't want, I don't want to be a 50, 60 year old. That is like, cause I see there's an age group that are totally I mean, like, here, look at our Facebook Live. It is, we have, because it'll show us the, the demographics. Well, it opens so many, it opens so many more doors yes. to you when you know a little bit more. And, and even when it came time for Aiden, who is, uh, you, know, uh, you know, every bit, you know, a, a young person yeah, in the yeah. throw, does his YouTube videos and all that kind of thing. And I really am impressed by his knowledge and by, you know, just what he knows and, yeah. and and his exposure. And so sometimes, you know, I'll, even with the TV, I'll have to ask him to – we got a new TV not too long ago, and he set the whole darn thing yeah. up. And it was yeah. like it – it's fantastic. And so aside from being a person who uh, can help me uh, read labels that I can't see because I don't have my a reader with me, uh, my readers with me, uh, he's also useful when it comes to technological issues as well. So it's good. Also, speaking of old school, so I got a friend who texted me, and I had used the term filling station earlier, and <laughs> she caught it, you know, and I was like, filling station? I said, well, okay. Back in the day, I did a lot of traveling with my dad, and we drove pretty much, I, I, I've taken so many great trips with my father across country, and there, and in fact, one time, I'll never forget, my dad loved old cars. And so I was down in Texas with them. I can't remember. I think it was in Huntsville, somewhere around there. And he wanted to buy this car. 
the problem is we drove down there and I'm 14 and he wants this car. Okay. So I'll never forget this. So of course, having been driving around with him my entire life and, and, and knowing everything there is to know, basically I, I kind of learned to drive watching him. Sure. And on occasion, you know, he would let me drive, you know, around the, the block or whatever else like that. So he buys this car and I, we get, we go home and I'm following him in the car. No. I'm 14 years old driving this. From where? From Texas. <laughs> so, and this is, this is what, this is a, this is an awesome car, by the way. It's an, it's an old, uh, a 66 Olds, uh, Oldsmobile. And I'll never forget it because it was, it was beautiful white 66 Oldsmobile and it was a convertible, and he just had to have the car. So I, 14 years old, never forget, too, we were, we were even driving through the night. And I'll never forget having to open up the window so that I could not fall asleep, to, just to hear the, the sound of the trucks or whatever, trying desperately not to fall Stop. asleep at the wheel while we're driving. Oh and I didn't have the heart God. to tell him I was tired and I wanted to like, you know, go to sleep. Well, you didn't so, have a cell phone to be able to call him. No. He's up above you. This, I'm, just, I'm just following him in, in, in this old 66 and, and uh, 66 old. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I, so I roll down the windows in hopes that the noise of the trucks will keep me awake. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. You know. So anyway, to, to my point, though, when you went to a gas station, it was called a filling station. That's, I, I guess, I don't know. You've never I heard that term? I call it a gas station. Yeah, or a gas yeah. station now. But but back in the day, it was a filling station, and that's what you did. You fill the car up with gas, and he'd drive in, and usually the line was fill her up with ethyl, because you, at that time, yeah. ethyl gasoline was uh, what you put in your car, and I'll be darned if that thing, that, and that was like, that was like 90 plus, that was like 99 octane. That was like high octane because you put it in like an eight-cylinder, sure. you know, big-ass car. That's what we did. Self-serve or? No, no. No. Back in those days, no, there was no such thing as a, as, as a self-serve gas. You drive uh-huh. up and, and they, they'd, uh, you know, wipe your windows and check your oil and all that stuff, and man. look at a 14-year-old driving a, and go, huh, that's yeah, weird. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't really know how we got around that. I don't think they noticed. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm just a, a little skinny little fourteen year old kid, you know. But <laughs> I don't know. They, they must have, they, they must have noticed somehow. But uh, they didn't say anything. You weren't one of these fourteen year olds with like the beard and mustache. No, oh okay. no, I mean, you know, no. But that's that was uh, what we did, man. I one time went in Illinois. You can get racing fuel. Yeah, and. I'll never forget one time, I don't know what, what car I had. I think I might have had my Passat or something at the time. I had a Volkswagen Passat, which I actually kind of liked. But I generally do the American car thing now. But And I wanted to fill it up with racing fuel. And this was like, I think this was like 100-something octane racing fuel. Oh but the guy told me that the car couldn't handle that in any way, shape, or form. So that's where, yeah, that's where I- it stood. But you never know. I might just try that in the Malibu, traveling around Illinois. Running 110 See if they'll, see if they'll put, put 110 in my car and see how that works. Probably, I'll probably blow, I probably blow the engine out, <laughs> which is what I did with one of these cheap, these cheap uh, lawnmowers I bought a long time ago. One of the things my dad always taught me was to 
if you if you can afford it, and and even if you really necessarily can't, is always to buy quality instead of buy cheap. Absolutely. And so I didn't listen to him the one time I went uh, when I got my first house, and I went and bought this ninety nine dollar lawnmower, and it had a Murray engine in it. Yeah. And it was just like this cheap little yeah. lawnmower. So I decided that, and it, somehow it wasn't really working to the degree that I wanted it to work. I didn't have the kind of z- power that the old Toro had when I was growing up. And we had this fantastic red Toro lawnmower, sure. which was awesome. But I still bought this cheap little Murray lawnmower, and here I was. And so I said, you know what I should do? Because I lived across the street from a gas station. I'd take the kids over there, and they'd, I'd have them you know, ride on top of it. I'd push them over there, and then we'd fill up the gas tank. So with this one time, I decided I was going to put premium gas oh, no. in, the, <laughs> in the gas tank. What would you, you think was in hope happen? In hopes that my lawnmower would like somehow have this extra boost of power to it or <laughs> something of that nature where it would be like, you know, boom. And I'll be darned if I didn't blow that friggin' engine out with that premium gas in it. And either that or the engine just stunk because it, it sucks anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I ruined the engine by putting ninety. I think it was, at that time it was, it was like ninety four octane in it. And Did, now, couldn't handle it. Now you're ruining engines because it has so much freaking corn and whatever else they put in fuel. Now it's a byproduct. And yeah, yeah. It's doing it. It's ruining engines all all the time. Story out of San Francisco. U.S. prosecutors filing criminal charges against the CEO of Bumblebee Foods because what they did was they sensed that there was some kind of price fixing going on in the packaged seafood industry. Do you eat packaged seafood? Like, do you eat, like, things that are in a can? Negative. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of still do. I I believe that. I don't eat – I don't eat – like I bought one time these uh, this tuna in a package, like it's it's in a it's in like a in a in a package as opposed to a can. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. I'm not a really a huge it's fan. It's the what of tuna. the fish of the, the the fish of the sea or whatever. Chicken of the sea. Chicken dude. of the sea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a weird thing. Oh, it, it's it worked. So it, weird. it really stuck when they called it chicken of the sea, but. I'm not quite sure why they had to sell it. Like, no, it's it's really like chicken. Yeah, white white out. Maybe call that, it. that's what. Well, I think maybe it's an outgrowth of when they talked about things tasting like chicken. Yes. that that's okay because yeah. as long as it tastes like chicken, it's good. <laughs> like a frog leg. Oh, don't worry, it tastes like chicken. Don't worry about it. You know. So anyway, I I have uh, before though. I, I I do happen to when I was a kid, I was turned on to the sardine. You gotta try it. They're really good no. for you. They are oh, really. I know they are absolutely I, good. That whole. Do you eat fish at all? Oh yeah. Okay. So the, the but but yeah, they do have the sardines, and sometimes they have like these thing called uh, kippers. Oh Kip, yeah. You know yeah. kipper snacks. Yeah. Those kind of thing. That's really good. That, that oil and everything is more good for you than people give it credit oh, for. Oh, it is good. But it, it's just is not you know. If you if you can make it through that can without cutting your wrist and bleeding <laughs> to death, which, which apparently they haven't like we we with with soda cans and everything else they come up with the pop tops and all that kind of thing, for some reason these these canned fish they still have not figured out a way to open them without 
that dangerous little flip top thing. Yeah. It has the sharp as a knife <laughs> yeah. aluminum edges to it that you're you open it up and you can't, you know, and, and it and it basically is is so arcane. It's unbelievable. <laughs> this is the advancement. So they're price fixing? Yeah. So the other people, uh, including a, a former Starkist tuna company executive, they were charged and and then pleaded guilty to price fixing. So what happened is uh, they started investigating these guys back in the day uh, on price fixing of canned tuna between Starkist, Bumblebee Foods, and Chicken of the Sea. It was more than a year ago. And so what essentially they did was they just simply colluded and came up with a certain price. And so there really wasn't any competitive pricing at all. It was all just these guys getting together. Going, hey, you know what? We're going to do this for a no dollar twenty nine. I don't even know what a can of tuna yeah. costs. I don't even buy tuna. But uh, <laughs> and one of the one of the great comments here. So so you have the story. You have the. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it is. You have the you have the story here where these guys are basically. I don't know whether they're going to go to jail or not. But they're they're they've been charged. I mean, this is like a, a this is like felony price fixing. And so they have the uh, these guys. And sometimes people on the in these comment sections are so funny. Yeah, you know, if you ever if you ever go to Live Leak, oh hilarious! You know, and they, and they're, I yeah. mean, it's like really some of it's really bad. So um, <laughs> one of these guys, this this person, of course, is anonymous. And after going through all this whole story about how these guys are being indicted and they're having to pay a twenty five million dollar fine, all this kind of thing, one commentator says. Sorry, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Hey, we'll put this up in the comments section. This is a great uh, piece on town hall. You notice with with what happened with President Trump and when President Trump decided he was going to um, refer to illegal aliens as animals. And now he's being hazed for it, which is and it was a perfectly reasonable thing for him to say and now he's being accused of somehow being a racist or whatever which is kind of odd to me considering how many people on the left are the ones who bring that up Uh, like 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 i would never i would i would never refer to a person based on race as an animal right like i I would i I don't refer to uh, to a black i would never put a black person as an animal but for whatever reason and this happens a lot i see what you mean they they project this onto themselves where otherwise there would be really no projection. It's like, well, we're not calling them animals because of the color of their skin. Yeah. I mean, you can be an animal and be any color or any ethnicity or whatever. So why you would be – that would be something that would bother you. And I brought this up earlier, and for those of you who weren't turned in then, we're, we're very early in the show – it's like when they had there was this there was this gorilla statue on right. a playground, and these people all came to a, some kind of city council meeting and said we want the gorilla to to be removed because we think it's racist, and and obviously reflexively the idiot white people on the city council oh, were like okay. oh no sure yeah yeah, yeah we'll, well anything you want we'll we'll take it out. And and really, in their minds, you have to know that they're thinking, why do these people, the, why do these black people think a gorilla on a playground is racist? Because I would never even think 
same of a gorilla <laughs> being a bull. I, I just don't. I don't get it. How I know what you mean. You protest too much sometimes. It's yeah. kind of like it's ridiculous the, the kind of things you, you you're almost you work causing on. the you're you're painting a racist picture when there really was no racism. Like it, it you're 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 adding that this figure equals racism when no one else puts those two and two together. Yeah. Well, this is a great piece on town hall. <laughs> And 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 be careful. We're going to go ahead and put it in the comment section. And and uh, Ryan is called uh, brutalized by Trump's winning liberals nip at conservatives' ankles. So really, what you're doing is is you're seeing be, for, because the Democrats and because liberals really don't have an issue uh, that they can really hang their hat on. It because it can be taxes, jobs, whatever. Because we see that wages are increasing. That. Uh, unemployment is being reduced. The roles of people who are on food stamps and welfare are rapidly decreasing as more and more people become stakeholders in our economy. And so really, in the end, there's so much positivity out there. And there's even this specter of a more peaceful world with North Korea and with us demanding more from Iran and imposing sanctions and that kind of thing. So there's, there really isn't much a Democrat can do except maybe, again, go back to the whole Republicans are racists right. or Republicans are this, Republicans are that. Because there's really the, – the, the checklist is rapidly being checked off and there's nothing they can go to except for these kinds of things like calling the president out for using the term – uh, animal, and then saying, "Well, see, that's just how racist he is." So now, what they're doing is is they're they're going after such low hanging fruit that they're they're tending to really run themselves out of favor, yes. even with some people who are Democrats. So like, like you know that Michael Moore and these guys are like, "Stop talking yep. about Stormy Daniels, please. Stop talking about Russia collusion. It's not there anymore. You can't continue simply to come up with these." fantasies to get you through the next election cycle. It's not going to happen. It's why in 2018, even as Genevieve Wood pointed out, there's a strong possibility that this thing that you had going on where you thought maybe Democrats would take over is actually not going to be happening for you, which is actually highly unusual because the expectation was, much like it was in 2010, that there would be a potential for at least the Democrats to take over the House because the the Congress the, the House is a different animal than the Senate, okay. but they would at least take over the House, and of course the Republicans would re- maintain the Senate. Now it looks like they're not going to do either one, which actually is an underperformance for a party that is out of power during the first two years of a very dramatic presidency. So, for instance, when President Obama was elected in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. In 2010, Republicans took over Congress. That's because Obama came in and basically had all these kinds of draconian impositions yep. of regulations and, uh, and and Obamacare and all that kind of stuff that it basically created so much tumult that people reacted by having the pendulum swim, uh, swing the other way. This time, though, and, and I, I think if you go back in history, the first two years of almost – Every presidency we've seen in in modern day, even in Clinton's uh, presidency, 
we've seen a turnover the first two years in Congress with the other party yep. taking over. So the reality is Democrats are even more inept than you would think because they might be the first in the first time in, in recent history not take over Congress in the first two years of a dramatic presidency. They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. And, and I, I remember, you know, if you watch, Bill Maher talks a lot actually about this because he he gets into it with Democrats about this because when Democrats don't know what else to talk about, they go to women and, uh, you know, that conservatives are, are, are dragging women down and dragging, you know, uh, the, the multi-races down. I mean, they kind of go towards their old um, uh, reliables yes, that yes. are no longer really reliable. No. Uh, and, and that's why back in a couple of weeks ago when I was just kind of chatting with Genevieve offline, I said, are, are they going to have to they're going to have to find like another Confederate statue someplace to obsess over? Because they've they've removed all the Confederate statues now. So yeah. with with racism basically being erased in this country. Right. Now, that the statues are gone. There's really nothing more to complain about. And and and, and I think for a while there, there was the. Uh, the police issue. So the mm -hmm. police were the bad guys, and we're going to make a big deal about that. And you really can't do that anymore either. Uh, gun control, it's not happening. They remember have nothing to stand after Par even after Parkland. Remember there there was there, there was oh, going to yeah. for sure be this this new uh, rise of uh, gun control legislation, and it's Crickets all now. the guys except that, and and it's not there anymore. So you're going to love this piece, and it's called Brutalized by Trump's Winning, Liberals Nip at Conservatives' Ankles. The Democrats are having a major case of the SADs, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Their, the, their generic lead in the midterm ballots has evaporated. You've got the Iran and North Korea triumphs. Obama's legacy, in the words of this writer, is, is, is smoking ruin which it kind of is. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's regulatorily or whether it's economically or what have you. Everything that Obama tried to impose on us is rapidly unraveling and being rolled back, which is cool. The Stormy Daniels cheesy rain on... <laughs> I love this. I love what he, he describes here. As, it's, um, he refers to it as, as CN... MSNBC <laughs> has morphed into a rain of singles from leering weirdos at creepy places with names like the treasure chest and reliable sources. So he says, what do liberals do when they're losing all the big fights? Well, they go ahead and try to grab conservative scalps. And the re mm. more recent one was with, with Trump uh, referring to illegal aliens as animals and now after this guy who is the new ambassador to Germany, and he happens to be a gay person, but that doesn't seem to matter. Most, most people, uh, at least when it, when it comes to the liberal think tank, right. is that if you are of some kind of minority status, you enjoy absolute protection. Unfortunately, not if you're a conservative. So if you're a gay conservative or if you're a black conservative yeah. or if you're a female conservative, they will savage you regardless of whether or not you oh, are in, in that minority. Absolutely. So now they're going after this guy who is Rick Grinnell, and he's the new and conservative ambassador to Germany. 
And so basically what he told Germany to do and, and asked him to do is, hey, you know, stop rubbing shoulders with Iran. Stop being in a situation where you're undermining most of what we're doing in terms of NATO and everything else by working with all these other individuals Well, apparently in Iran. So apparently what happened is the newspapers all went crazy and decided they were going to attack Grinnell for trying to impose Trumpian American values on Germany when all he was doing was simply suggesting, hey, you know what, can you work with us? Because isn't that the whole idea when it came to NATO and everything else, yeah. that somehow the president wasn't cooperating and the president didn't, didn't promise that he was going to defend the, uh, the Euro interests yep. and the alliances and everything else. And now suddenly when we want something from the alliances, they just go, well, should I say, can I say ape? Oh, they they go ape over the idea of actually having to, in one way, shape or form, uh, cooperate with us. And so if an ambassador who happens to be from the Trump administration just asks for a little bit of cooperation dealing with Iran, that person is lit on fire. So that article is pretty interesting. You yeah, find I it, by the way, it okay. in the comment section. Good. And they, they'll love that because it's really um, it's, it's a really long good. article, but it is it's good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to try. Because we haven't in a while. I like that. Gypsy kings are awesome. I used to travel around. If they were in Chicago, go see them all the time. One time bought tickets to go see them in Chicago because they never came to St. Louis. And a month later, they were in St. Louis. We're like, oh. <laughs> Check them out then. Now they're a little older, so their kids are kind of taking up the taking up the mantle. Stepping in. Like ten of them. And five of them have these acoustic guitars and they put tape over the guitar hole. They had like a like oh, scotch okay. tape. Yeah. Oh, the creates sounds awesome. I will say somebody commented and they said, does this mean they're gonna have to remove monkey bars from playgrounds? <laughs> Maybe. Don't put it past these individuals in any way, shape, or form. What's the phone number? Oh, 314-462-2772. 314-462-2772. Back in a second, people. Radio Free Almond, y'all. Ven, 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 María, te adoro, ven, ven, ven. 
So, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, 4 to 7, we have the Radio Free Almond Happy Hour right here at the Gaslight Bar. And we're going to have a tour of the studio. So, we're going to set it up just like it's set up now. It's going to be kind of like when you go to one of these historic houses and they show you like the bedroom where so and so slept it's going to be kind of like that so I'm a little disappointed we didn't we don't have the wax the wax figures yet yeah, sorry I couldn't get that of us. In time. Ben Murphy stopped by he's going to do some de- we're going to actually juice up the studio even more now because it's we're in HD now on Facebook and everything else and so we want to make it, juice it up a little bit. So we've got a few surprises down the way, and Ben Murphy's going to help us with that. But we're going to have to just simply stop with the wax figures. Right? They're just not going to be yeah, I'll have to stop the artist at this point. Yeah. They're mid-stride. 
they got yours practically done. I wasn't happy anyway because they put shoes on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, never, they never do it right. Never really looks like the person is supposed to look. So just when you think schools haven't yet peaked in the terms of craziness, there's a Florida teacher placed on administrative leave after... The school officials were told that he had students help him drown a wild raccoon in class. I saw this Showed a group of students this video and like students filling a tub of water or using a hose. And later keeping a trapped raccoon submerged in the water. Mother told the TV station that her son who shot the video came home upset about what happened to the raccoons, including the one seen in the video. What happened is the raccoons had been killing chickens that the students were raising for class. Teachers live in So the teacher didn't like that. And so they killed two raccoons and a possum. Now, by the way, this is in Ocala, Florida. Like, I, I never really noticed that That it sounds it sounds like this would be, like, in the sticks someplace. I don't know whether Ocala, Florida really could be termed as, this, as the sticks. But the teacher named Dewey was placed on administrative leave with pay while they investigate. And basically, it was just a matter of these individuals punishing the raccoon for killing the chickens. The raccoon's just doing what they... He's doing his job. Job. It's what you would normally do. You see a chicken, you, you kill it. Did they eat it? They'd eat it, right? Have to. I hope they did. All right, so I'm not really necessarily a, a word policeman, because I think we've had enough about that. But this whole coverage of what Israel and the rest of the gang... Uh, have been doing over there in terms of the with the Palestinians and everything else and beyond has really gotten out of hand in terms of the attempts to attack the Israelis and put them in a really bad position. And a lot of you have already been schooled, as, as I've told you before, about Pallywood and how the Palestinians are basically just uh, making up numbers. And you heard about the Palestinian Health Ministry, which really is just Hamas, and they're sending out information that's summarily being regurgitated by the news media. And so they're getting all their information from the very people who have a vested interest in lying about the effects of what Israel is doing when they are pushing themselves up on on the border there and flying kites with explosives on them. So and, and of course, you also have seen the video by now of the individuals who are being paraded into into ambulances. And it's all it's all a lot of theater there. So if you are Chris Cuomo there on CNN and you're talking about these situations where the Israeli defense forces are fighting back against the killing of these Arab agitators, and you're talking about Israelis, and and you're talking about Jewish people, correct? Right. 
is there a word that could possibly be meant as as kind of a passive aggressive way of attacking the Israelis? Like like you wouldn't use the term Holocaust, right? Uh, as to describe what's happening in uh, in there in the Middle East, because of course that would be it, it, it's not the Holocaust, right. and, and that's why generally, even though we're not much in the way of being word police, generally the word Holocaust is reserved for the actual Holocaust because right. it, it, at that point it becomes a kind of a proper noun as opposed to just simply a noun where you just use it to describe you know something that that has happened. Sometimes that becomes offensive, especially to people who were in for sure in in the Holocaust or, have or survived yeah. it or whatever. So, so you wouldn't call uh, the uh, Cardinals losing the '87 World Series a Holocaust That's for Cardinal real, fans. Yeah. You wouldn't generally no. like say that. But <laughs> oh no, <laughs> what? I just feel like this is this is not good. He you, used you something like, that wasn't. Appropriate, right? You, you. Well, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm, not sa- I'm saying you wouldn't do that, right? But you realize what's going to happen. Though, I right? do. I see where this is. But, but you realize what's going to happen to some people who might be trying to troll us, right? They might say, "Oh, Jamie and Ryan oh. were laughing about the oh, Holocaust." Oh, oh yeah, because we laughed at the <laughs> within a minute and forty-seven seconds of using the term, you know. And then Allman laughed as Ryan described <laughs> the laughing about. The use of the word Holocaust. Allman said it was a Holocaust when the Cardinals <laughs> lost the 87 World Series. If anyway. anything, we as conservatives are probably more apt to defend the word Holocaust and the, and the actions that were taken there. Yes. As opposed you realize how that's going to come across. Oh, yeah, there you? we go. Voice. Ryan just said conservatives <laughs> defend the Holocaust. <laughs> well, But now here's the deal, though. Let me ask you this, though. Do you believe that the Holocaust was an atrocity? A hundred percent. All right. So when you hear about atrocities, generally you, you associate the word atrocity with the Holocaust. Absolutely. Generally, that word... The Holocaust was an atrocity, right? The uh, massacre of the Tutsis of the, yep. what would be considered an atrocity. Like, an atrocity is when you, in mass, kill people as a, like, genocide. Yeah, it's a genocide. Would be an atrocity. Absolutely. So if you're so if you're a news anchor and you're describing what generally is just simply a if anything it is a battle or a melee yes. or something of that sort yep. right like if like like if six million Jews are killed by the Germans atrocity that's an atrocity absolutely if three million Tutsis are killed by another tribe, that's an atrocity. It's reserved for, uh, two, not for two guys brawling on the street. Right. Or, 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 you uh, know. They, they, well, but, but they don't even use the term atrocity, for instance, in describing the Parkland High School stu- shooting, right? Okay. And I, never, I, never, you, I never heard the term atrocity no. used to describe that. Mm-mm. And that could have been 
that classify it. Maybe that close, yeah. but 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 most people wouldn't call it an atrocity, Trash. only because it it because it elevates it to a certain level. Yeah. Of, for instance, the Holocaust. It's a tragedy, right? Tragedy, but an atrocity would be seen probably by some people as being a little overdone. Agree. And I, I'm, I'm not. Again, I'm not a word policeman. I'm not. I'm not that person. So, you, if you wanted to call the Parkland shooting an atrocity, I wouldn't take offense at it. Whatever. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, you're Chris Cuomo, and and you're on CNN. And you're dealing with something related to something that the Israelis are doing to the Arab people. And Chris Cuomo decides oh, no. to say this. Here's the, to another uh, real atrocity that has to be dealt with. You have vi- So Classic. In my opinion, and, and, and again, I, I'm not inside of Chris Cuomo's head. But in my opinion, that word is purposely used in its in this context to further agitate the Israelis. Oh yeah, or or flame fuel to the fire for the Palestinians. Right, right. But 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 see, again, when you use the term atrocity, that really connotes to me the Holocaust. I mean that, that's kind of what it what it is. Like yeah. like the, there are very few atrocities yeah. That you can really name off the tip of your tongue, uh, and and but one of the things you definitely can name off the tip of your tongue would be the Holocaust. That was an atrocity. So what I'm saying is, and yeah. I, and again, I can't I can't read into this guy's head, but in in my situation, in in my view, they're purposely using this to insult the Israelis and oh, add to. Yeah. This idea somehow that they're doing to the Palestinians what was done to the Jewish people by the Germans. That's exactly what he's trying to insinuate. That is exactly how I would read that, too. Yes. And, I'm, I'm, and again, this all boils down to this idea that somehow, in some way, that these individuals need to uh, somehow be told that they must restrain themselves and that they constantly must uh, weigh what they're doing and constantly must be in check. And it's, and anything that happens is only the Israelis fault at this point. Yeah. I mean, the Israelis are not going into Palestinian territory, rounding people up, putting them on trains and delivering them to concentration camps. That would be an atrocity. Absolutely. That would be an atrocity. But did Chris Como? Cuomo write that, or was that re- you know what I mean? Oh no, a teleprompter. I, I, or it looked to me like it was something he he, was, he added. Mm. Oh yeah, he wasn't he wasn't even seemingly reading okay. from a teleprompter at the time. Sometimes you can get yeah, you can get I, I get it. You can get prompter freeze. Anchors do that all the time when they're when maybe they're reading and they're reading like cues. Yeah, you know, while well, it's like the the typical anchorman bit <laughs> yeah, you know, where they're reading cues. Yeah, I will tell you though. Uh, there was a great story, and it, it involved Julius Hunter back at Channel in Channel Four days. Okay, and <laughs> there, the, sometimes you get people will do a typo sure. or do something and, and and get in this mode, uh, like somebody writing the news. Now, keep in mind, uh, anchors generally do not write their news. Some of them do, 
But back in the day of Julius and Larry and back in those days, they all had writers. Okay. And even some of the reporters. When I first got there, like in 89, okay. the, some of the reporters had people who wrote their stories for them. You believe that? What were they doing then? They, they would just go out, do the interviews, and then a producer would come and write the stories for them. I was like, that's amazing. First of all, from the standpoint of, I would, first of all, never want somebody to write something for me anyway. Because <laughs> I just, it just, but, but back in those days, you know, these guys were, uh, Channel 4 was a so-called owned and operated CBS station. Okay. So these folks were like making just gobs of money, and it was an O&O, and any kind of O&O it just had unlimited resources everything else. So okay. they had enough people to do the whole producing thing and all that kind of stuff. In fact, when I first got to Channel 4, uh, I was a part-timer, so I, I, and, and my own union fought that. Oh, so you were union on I was on, after, okay. yeah, yeah, television and radio artists. Ryan, we're the Association of American Federation. I don't know. Federation, carried a car. Television and radio artist, my friend. So they called us artists okay. at the time because, you know, we were artists, you know, because it takes an artist to stand out in front of a burning warehouse <laughs> yeah. and, and tell you exactly what is going on. Yeah. It takes a real artist to stand in front of a house I knew you were gonna that go. where they're about to roll a body out the front door. That's a that's a real art, buddy. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Takes an artist too. One time, John Auble, bless his soul, was out there at a at a uh, at a scene, a crime scene, and back Auble was a more aging reporter, okay. and so at the time that, that was when they were encouraging everybody to do walk and talks. So it wasn't just stand up; you have to do like a you have to walk and talk yeah, and yeah. be walk expository and everything yeah. and do this. So Auble, I think, took it a little too far because he was at a crime scene and picked up a shell casing. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And we're like, dude, you just picked up like a piece of evidence. evidence. So he picks up a shell casing. This shell casing. Oh. And we're like, and, and all, the, all the cops are like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. You just picked up a shell casing? Um, you never described the story with her at News Channel 4. You never finished that story. I'm about to. Oh, okay. You're circling. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm circling around. Okay. I have to, I, I, oftentimes that's kind of the thing. You're I painting the picture. Sorry, that story. And yep. then I'm going to, I'm going, I'm, I'm, but I've got other things infused. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. And then I come back around it's Radio to Free it. Almond. Exactly. So I have another one for you before I get to okay. that, uh, the story about Julius Hunter. So uh, that and, and other antics that we would do. Like, for instance, I was a, a, at crime scenes, and this, this takes an art. Now, this is where the art really came in. So Mike Owens, who was currently married to the mayor of St. Louis, Lida Cruzen. Okay. But Mike Owens used to be a reporter at Channel 5 and an investigative reporter and, and sometimes would cover crimes. And I, I did similar stuff, too. So sometimes we would be working on an ongoing investigative reporter piece, and then somebody would get shot. We'd have to go out and cover that because mm-hmm. nobody else was around. So while we were working on our investigative reporting and just sitting in our rear ends, if somebody got popped, we'd have to go out and go cover <laughs> that. So crazy. So anyway, uh, Mike and I wound up on a, the same some covering some same crime. If it was a big crime, usually it was like me or Owens or someone like that. We okay. would cover like the big, big, big stuff sometimes. So Mike and I were out there, and we were very competitive with each other. And so 
one of the things we used to do, uh, which is great, at that time we had beepers. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing you with a beeper. Did you right ever now. wear a beeper? No, because okay. that was pre, it okay. was, you know, I was too young. Pre anything. Yeah. So we had we had beepers and 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 we we also had we had phones too okay. at the time you know of course but we, but we had beepers and so uh, what we would do is we would have because uh, they'd beep you to call them sure right? uh, so <laughs> instead of calling us yeah. they beep so what we would do and sometimes you could make a beeper go off by itself <laughs> just by pushing a button on the beeper yeah. so we would go and we'd be out of this crime scene and of course back in those days it's very competitive so you want to get all the info you can. And you might hear that police were investigating someplace else as related to the crime. So oftentimes to uh, to trick Owens, I would purposely, and my photographer and I, I'd purposely make my beeper go off. <laughs> and we would start running to our car. <laughs> and we'd get in our car. And invariably, they would follow us because they think they're thinking we're going someplace to the, you know. Yeah. And we wind up like in the drive-through at McDonald's, <laughs> and they're following us around. <laughs> but that was an old trick. It, well, you can only do it a couple times. This is legit anchor man. Oh yeah. Just oh yeah. No, I mean it, it yeah. was a- absolutely what we did all the time. <laughs> and and uh, but you can only use that trick only so often. But that's what we do. Like, what Owens are you doing here? Me. This I, is this is my territory. I really got him. Really good that one time, but that was about the only he didn't fall for it again. But it's worth hilarious it when, you just, when you just did that. All right, so back to Julius. So sometimes you would have people writing their the news, and then an anchor would then read whatever was written in the teleprompter. And sometimes, if that writer was writing something and made a slip up, then and you didn't bother reading it. Uh, beforehand, which is yeah. very few anchors do. They they just go up there and they're just, you know. And and Julius, <laughs> I will have to tell you before I get to this. <laughs> okay. Julius was my was one of my mentors. Like he was like he, he was a great anchor and was one of my mentors and taught me a whole lot and uh, and and was really a pretty amazing guy. Once Julius found out uh, that I happened to be conservative, he stopped talking to me. Like, so, so for instance, wow. you know, like, like he and I never really talked politics because I was an investigative reporter and we didn't talk about political things. Okay. You know, we just were friends and we'd go out and everything else. So he never really knew, I guess, my politics and never asked. But then eventually when I went into talk radio and I was able to be vocal uh, using my commentative yeah. commentary, uh, then, then, then he knew that after a while, and then would then basically gave me the, the cold shoulder. Then I was in radio in earnest by about two thousand five, and then I wasn't at Channel Four anymore. I had left Channel so Four. So there was an overlap. Yeah, there was an overlap, okay. but 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 not much of one. And then finally, and so so Julius and I kind of I guess guess remained co- contact. But eventually, once he found out really what my politics were. He just basically disowned me, yeah. which is you know too bad because he yeah. was a, a good friend of mine. So Julius and I would go out after the six o'clock news sometimes, and I would be done for the night, but he would have to go back and do the ten o'clock news. But we would go out and to we would go to Hodax. Yeah, he loved Hodax. going to Hodax. Yeah. Is Hodax still around? I think so. Okay, 
I, because I'm familiar with it. He's the one. Oh, it is? Okay. It's, yeah. gra- it's right on Gravoy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that place is, you get like a plate of fried chicken for like three bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is now. But Julius taught me, you know, how to put, I, we used to get fried chicken and he used to, he used to soak it like in Crystal's hot sauce. Oh, and we, that's how I, I yeah. there's nothing better. Good. I can't do that now. Oh, really? Fried chicken, dude. Well, I don't eat fried chicken. Yeah, I mean, you know. No, it's, it's horrible just, for yeah, you. It really is. <laughs> I mean, you got to – I mean, I, I would love to, and yeah. probably every once in a while I probably should anyway because I'm not going to, you know, keel over anytime soon. But nonetheless, he – but he – so, but but what the routine was he'd go down there and we'd go together and we'd sit there and talk. And Julius always sat facing the door. As you should, as any listener listening to this should always face the door. Ever have your back to the door? I just had to add that. Well, sometimes you have to. No, like, no. You ask for a seat to make sure that you sit looking at that door. You okay. don't ever want to have your back. To I the thought door. that's just what mafia guys did, but I guess it's everybody. Safety. Yeah. <laughs> so he he would always sit facing the door, just in case someone would come in. And decide that they needed to attack Julius Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) So he was like, I, you know, I always sit facing the door. You never know who's going to come in and try to. He talked like. Oh, yeah. He was like, you never know when people are going to come in and try to attack you. You must always face the door. Of course, he made you probably sit with your back to the door. (laughs) Yeah, right. right, Exactly. (laughs) So he, yes, you must always be careful. You never know. People. You know, and like like nobody really was interested in attacking Julius Hunter, no. but he's still you know. So and and he would put his he put the the uh, because he was going to no, uh, the do the news. He'd put the napkin under his collar, and he would order one Manhattan, mm-hmm. then two Manhattans, and it might have been three. I don't know. Eventually, but then he would in routine. He would have a couple Manhattans, and then. The chicken would come, and he would order beer with oh chicken. Gosh, before the ten o'clock news. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd always be amazed because I would leave oh. Hodax after dinner and everything, and I'd be kind of a little—I don't know—I I, I, was—I was—I guess I was good enough to drive. I guess <laughs> I was a little like you know, but he—I was like amazed at how much he was able, how much liquor he was able to consume, and I'd go up on the. I'd watch the 10 o'clock news, and he'd be flawless. I mean, absolutely flawless. So I was always astounded how he could pull that off after consuming that many. Because you're still feeling a little. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm considering I'm considerably younger than he is and everything else. But uh, but but. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. I was, and so maybe, maybe it affected me more. But for whatever reason, man, he'd go up there, and I'd watch him on the ten o'clock news. I go, man, I can't believe that dude is able to pull that off like that. Wow. Anyway, so maybe this had something to do with it. I don't know. So, so, so anyway, regardless, they didn't. They usually don't have time to read the scripts before they they do the news. So, but most of the time they don't have time because they're doing something else that has nothing related to the news. They're just basically, yeah. I wouldn't say lazy, but they just, I get you know, it. come on. After a while, when you're an anchor and you're an anchor that long, you just don't bother with much. You just get up there, put your microphone on and really, there's not rip. a lot of thought there. Okay. Not really. Okay. Not among, not among local TV anchors. No, normally. So he is reading a story about a guy's death, 
And so, so-and-so died, uh, blah, 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 complications from blah, blah, blah. And Julius is reading, he goes, uh, he was 69 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all laughing oh, our butts yeah. off. It's well, one of the many type of, of loops you do. But it looked, it said degrees in the teleprompter. Oh, I bet it did. Because somebody, some writer or whatever was like thinking about something else and thinking about the weather or whatever else. And, uh, or writing up a forecast or doing whatever. And uh, they said, so there it comes right out of his mouth. Like he's, it, it's absolutely, you know, long way to go. But nonetheless, that's, that's no. the story. That's the, that's the inside TV news. There's a lot more where that comes from, though. I got to tell you that. I actually like those stories. Yeah, I do, because it's a fascinating world because, you know, you watch these people and you think, wow, they must put in so much time and energy. And and then now, you know, some of them may be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't know whether he was drunk. OK. I don't want to say that because, you know. Yeah. But yeah. And then you they, well, and he was with Larry Connors and Connors. Yeah. We used to call Connors Commander Connors because Larry was always like really buttoned up. Oh, and yeah. Would would you know take over stories as a and, child? Like I would watch. Yeah, Connors. So like, we we call we call him Commander Connors. He's a, he was awesome an icon. Yeah, oh yeah. These yeah. guys were all. I mean, these guys really were. They they like when I was a kid, I grew up watching Julius Hunter on TV. I mean, so I I, I mean, yeah. I grew up watching him, and then suddenly I'm in the same newsroom That's with him. That's cool. It was really. Pretty awesome. Yeah. All those guys, you know, Herb Humphreys and all those guys with the cowboy hat. Yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I Herb was... Humphreys. Yeah. He was great. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, the more I think about it, the more I think Anchorman had a little St. Louis in it because <laughs> some people are, are claiming that Patrick Emery was the one who, uh, that, that it's based, based, off based on. Because the guy, with the, we had a guy with a cowboy hat like Anchorman did, and that was Herb Humphreys. He'd do, he'd do the nightside report. Herb Humphreys, nightside. And talk about boozing. He, <laughs> they used to ride around in the, in the Channel 4 live van, because they'd do like live, and they, they, they would, for their first stop when they went out on the town, was by the liquor store to grab like a case of beer. I'm not kidding you. Boy, it's like I alcohol. Know. Like, <laughs> just ran. I would have been a misfit in this. Uh, out of it, like, well, yeah, I don't right. drink. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's that used to be the deal. So now I'm thinking about it, like that guy uh, Kector, whose character. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking that that was there was a guy with a cowboy hat in our newsroom. It was Herb Humphreys, Nightside, big old guy with a beard. Yeah, hilarious. Absolutely. All right. So tonight, yes, four o'clock. Right here yes. at Gaslight, our radio, our first of many Radio Free All Manhattan hours. I think we were thinking of doing one once a week, but I think we're, we might do once every two weeks, yeah. you think? Yeah, probably. We'll kind of see. I mean, at least in these beginning stages, we're, there's still so much that we're doing and trying to get the show just better experience for everybody. Right, right, so. right. And, and we've got, uh, we're going to have a ton of uh, stuff there for you, Radio Free Almond gear for you there. And we're going to have drink specials that are going yeah. special beyond happy hour. Oh, yeah. And there's food here, and it's 4 to 7, and we're just going to be hanging out. And we'll have the studio all set up for you so you can see exactly what kind of environment we're in here. It's fantastic. Bring your friends. Bring a group of friends. Bring bring some family with you, really. I mean, it's a really cool environment in the bar area. Um, so it'll just be fun. You know, it's right at Kings Highway and Shaw, 
Utah right off of 44. So what are we going to do when JB's regular customers are here? Like there might be somebody who comes here like every Thursday night. And And they're like, what the hell are all these people doing here? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to disrupt the regulars. (laughs) (laughs) They don't care, right? All right, JB's like, they're not going to care. Yeah, Radio Free Almond. We might get some some new listeners out of this, you know, whole thing. Could have our But it's a a great place. Again, it's right off of uh, King's Highway. It's King's Highway and Shaw. And if you really want to make a plan of it, although we're going to have food here, we're right around the corner from Ragazzi. So if you want to make it your Thursday night date night and just come down here for a drink or do whatever and then go over to Ragazzi's or just simply have dinner here. Well, because there's a cards game tonight. Oh, there is? Uh, Yeah, later tonight. So it does not disrupt the cards game. So this is perfect. You stop here. And then if you want to head to the cards game, head to the cards game. Yeah, and don't forget, too, we have our that, – that's, that's a great – it's going to be a beautiful day. And we also have uh, the new app. Yes. Two for your, for your Android as well as for your iPhone. Yep, just look it up, Radio Free Almond on the App Store. Download it, rate it, and review it, of course. Make sure you give it – you know, throw some stars on there. And let 97.1 know <laughs> that you know what they're up to. I don't think they really, I don't, to tell you the truth, I don't think they, they, they know. Because my, my, my name is all over the 97.1 app, which is why it shows up. When you do Radio Free Almond, 97.1 pops up, because my name is still on there. I was really just teasing him, but I didn't tweet him, and I said, take my name off of it. You think they got the message? It's Radio Free Almond now. I'm not there anymore. Thankfully. Show's over. Yeah. All right, we'll see you tonight at 4 o'clock, folks. Have a great rest of your day.